Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. I poured it in my mouth and it just wasn't going down. My first beer was an IPA, the best IPA I've ever drank. Mostly because I brewed it. If you have a scale that is good for measuring cocaine, you're probably good for measuring hops on cocaine. You're, you're scaring me. <laughs> I think the information is awesome and the audio sucks. Make some sugary water, throw some yeast in there. And you're going to drink good beer. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good beer. It's fine. Oh, God damn it, man. Oh, my God. From the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is the session. Yes, hello, welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the session. Everybody's favorite program. Yes. Everybody's favorite show. That's right. It's my favorite show. It is? Yeah, sure. Why not? Nah, Dr. Homer's your favorite show. Sure, and yeah. another great show here on the Brewing Network. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's Everyone's right. favorite show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> my they're favorite all, show is the one that's in front of me. They're all mm-hmm. everyone's favorite. How come we don't have to ask the listeners if they're 21 or over? I mean... Uh, Every time you go to a website, you got you got to answer. Are you twenty one? Like, yeah, which is kind of dumb because they're not serving them beer. Yeah, we're not drinking it. But yeah. they might learn about something, right? They might they read have the it. word. Yeah, we, we are listed as explicit oh, on iTunes. That might help. That's bullshit. Oh, no. Could be part of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, that's my first amendment. You know, I did see that uh, Apple had like a kind of a private hush hush conference with some leading podcasters to talk about the future of podcasting, hmm. and I. Wanted to know how that went. For, right. It, oh, that's where you've been. Yeah, it was well, good. Hush, hush, you couldn't say. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it must have talked. It went great. <laughs> 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 I read about it, too, actually. <laughs> yeah, the problem is that iTunes, uh, you know, created the uh, space for podcasts to exist, but they didn't uh, offer any support for them. And so that was back in 2005 when we started, after we started, as a matter of fact, the iTunes thing came up. 
And then, so they created like, oh, this is cool. We'll just create a podcast feed. You submit your thing, and then that's that. And mm-hmm. then over the years, as podcasting has evolved, podcasters have asked for more tools and more support to make it easier to promote shows, um, to get statistics, for example, which is a very uh, difficult thing to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that aver- you know you can tell advertisers your listeners. And iTunes has always uh, not said no. They've just actually ignored it entirely like you could just you could send message after message (laughs) and they just ignore it uh but podcasts are huge now people are um dumping a bunch of money into uh, other people's podcasts apparently um, <laughs> mm-hmm. like big advertisers and things like that are getting into yeah. podcasts you know with like the success of serial and uh, all these you know big name podcasts yeah. and so now itunes is going oh okay well maybe we should come back and offer support right well uh, it'll probably be a pay thing because they don't get they don't get yeah. any revenue from it but they get iTunes yeah. installed. They do. They get people using iTunes. I mean, yeah. the only reason I ever downloaded iTunes is I had to make sure our feed was working back when I figured out how to submit the damn thing in yeah. you know, 2005. But like, so, for example, like there are other podcasting tools to get stats and stuff, but we're so old. We're the dinosaurs now here at the BN. Uh, our, the way our podcasts are set up, I can't even use any of those tools that new podcasts use uh, because our feed is so large and it, the way it runs and we get so many downloads. I can't, it's a whole thing. So, <laughs> so Code and, and B-Dog have been helping me write all these. We have to do all these hacks to the database to figure out what our downloads are. Yeah, It's a, it's a pain in the ass. If iTunes would just figure it out and they easily can because they're the ones who can tell how many things are running through their site it'd be super easy even for dinosaurs like us yeah and then i guess they wanted to know a bunch of other things that people want fixed and uh yeah i'll be honest i stopped paying attention to itunes a long time ago i just try to make sure the feed works and once the yeah. once the feed works i don't it's just a stupid thing there, it is there's it's, no support it's so bloated too it's a lot of shit you don't need yeah i don't like it and uh yeah, the other article i was reading was like basically iTunes has kind of been unchanged since it was released. It's the same basic format. <laughs> really? There's like top six podcasts, and that's about it. Right. And why do I have to download a new version every, every <laughs> right. seven days? Every day. Right? You know? I mean, I agree with you. It is basically the same, but yeah. God, they're annoying with the updates. Crazy. And uh, well, I, you know, it, it'd be interesting, and it would be helpful if they do more, you know, to help podcasts promote yeah. and to help get statistics and all that. That that would make my life easier. That's for sure. We need an Apple nerd. Yeah, yeah. We have a Google nerd. We do. Who's helping me with some stuff? Nice. Um, How to use a search engine? Yeah, yeah. He was like, "Oh, you go to the site Google." Dot com. And it forwards you to Bing. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you have a question, just type it in. No, I don't know if you remember, but we got, got kicked off of Google Ads oh, yeah. years ago. And uh, I think he's got us set up to go back on there now. So he, That's cool. He helped out, yeah. Great. He reached out for something else that was broken, I think. No, oh, I know what it was. It's now that uh, Google has their own uh, podcast feed. Yeah, Google Play. The, yeah, that you have yeah. to submit oh. to. And I'm trying, so he was helping me out with that. And I'm, I'm trying to do it. I have to, they, they need different information than iTunes. They do? Yeah, this is another thing. The feeds aren't standard. iTunes wants a certain size image. And yeah. now the Google one wants a different size image. So I had to go have, huh. I, I had everything already. And I'm like, okay, I finally got this. I go there and they tell me, uh, you need this size image. It's because it's, uh, because we're so old. Our information's old. Well, our information was set for what iTunes wanted. Oh. Um, and that image wasn't large enough for what Google wants. Because I put ears up on Google. It was really easy. It took like 30 seconds. It was great. 
you probably had the right size show image, but all of our show uh, images exist already, which is fine. Right. I just then had to go, hey, Push, can you create me seven new show images? <laughs> okay. So I can, and that that was just before I left for CBC. So okay. I'm working on everybody. So I know a lot of people have been writing in, are you going to get it on Google Play Podcast? I'm working on it. I think now that was the final piece, and hopefully I can do that for you. Well, God bless. Um, but yeah, the podcast, I hate podcasting. I hate it. <laughs> because there's no standard form of anything it's a bunch of hacks just doing i did i i hate it maybe you should open up a radio station i know <laughs> i did that's oh, what uh, i did yeah. i didn't oh. start a podcast for two months after i started a live radio station uh and then the you know i i put mp3s up for download on the website all a podcast is is an easy way to download an mp3 that's sure. all and and i get it i want easy ways and automated ways of everything too so it was our listeners who started writing in you know a month after we were on the air hey could you please turn this into a podcast so i went and i looked up what a podcast was <laughs> figured out that it's just a fancy way to download an mp3 so that they don't have to go to my website and do it like one at a time so i get yeah. it but that's all a podcast is um anyway i didn't start a podcast really that's i never knew that i <laughs> yeah. didn't know that yeah right, so this isn't wow. your fault dude. it didn't i'm telling you it, it didn't hardly exist it didn't hardly exist it had just launched there were a couple podcasts people were getting into it and our web savvy listeners wrote to me and said hey can you make it a podcast and i, I agreed with them right away I, huh. because mm-hmm. i saw the advantage it was hard to post to my crappy website at the time um Anyhow, that's how it came about. You're just doing a live show. When it says over, it's over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not going to hear it unless you heard it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, well, that's how we became a podcast. <laughs> well, you didn't want to have to bleep podcast out. Podcast became you. Words. Yeah. yeah. The end. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as usual, we've got a lot to do today. We're going to be welcoming our old friend from Australia, Peter Simons will be on the show uh, talking about his new book, Bronzed Brews, uh, about old Australian beers, like uh, historical Australian beers. And Peter's a good guy. He's done his research, so we're going to be talking about that. So this will be good for our Australian listeners who have moved down to third in the oh. top countries <gasps> list of the brewing. Wow. Who yeah. surpassed them? The Canadians. Yeah, Canadians. Hey. Yeah, the Canucks. Uh, they, the Canadians do go back and forth. Um, sometimes the U.K. bumps up into third place. But right now it's uh, the U.S., the Canadians, the Australians, and then the Brits. Well, maybe the Australians' listenership is down because they've all been here. Recently, right. yeah. <laughs> they've just been showing up at the studio. That's true. We had you guys had some Australians on last week, right? We did. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Brendan was in town, and uh, That's his cool. mate, I forget his name, Craig, I think is what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brought some biskies and beers yeah they just bring a bunch of like chocolate and shit yeah and then uh that's about it no yeah. they're nice they're nice folks they are yeah. they're good people all right well we've got peter on tonight's show uh i wanted to give you just a, a quick recap of uh the craft brewers conference uh i was mostly there just to stream the awards which are available now on our live stream page um which is easily available i think through the website <laughs> Um, sure. Yeah. Let's just say yeah. Mail to indicate otherwise. I guess. Let me look. Um, yeah, actually, it's still there. If you just scroll down a little bit, it says World uh, World Beer Cup 2016 Live. You can go check it out. See if your favorite breweries won anything. Um, 
So we did that. I got to hang out at a few different events and walk around Philly. I know that you were there, Tasty. Yeah. You probably got into more stuff than I did. No, not much. I just uh, went to the uh, expo, which is amazing. Goddamn. It's like acres of uh, beer equipment. Oh, man. I heard they went from 400 vendors last year to 800 this year. So it is. It was an enormous... I'm pretty sure that it literally covered two city blocks. Uh, yeah, I think really? So. Yeah, yeah wow. because the conference center itself went spanned like three city blocks, wow. and the expo was two thirds of that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, crazy. Amazing. Last year, I missed all of the seminars I wanted to go to because I was busy just walking down the aisles of last year's right exhibit hall. And this year's twice as big. Twice as big. Wow. Um, I believe there were a little over thirteen thousand attendees yeah. at this year's conference. Wow, um, that's a lot of craft brewers. Yeah, you know a lot of newbies. Is it bigger just because of World Beer Cup? Like, is this a regular thing? Uh, you know, what? last year would have been an that, off year for that. Could beer be, cup. but I do know it grows enormously every year now. Oh, okay, so I think people just plan to go to it next year. It's in Washington D.C., right next door to Philly. There, um, I think that'll be another highly attended one, even though it's not a World Beer Cup. Mm. And I yeah. don't know where a lot it of people come that. from Europe, so East Coast is more convenient for them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so it was a, a really well-run conference. The Brewers Association did a great job, and the awards were exciting. Um, what's a flat tail? Yeah. Won yeah. a bronze for their sour. That's yeah, true. Right? In the same right. category as Rare Barrel right won a medal. Rare, yeah. 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 Uh, so I was really excited to see that. Yeah, yeah it was cool. Eagle Rock won a, a, a medal for, I think, yeah. a silver for their sour. Okay. They have a sour as well. Yeah. 2-1-A. Uh, yeah. we 2-1-A on the, on the two two got two, two, two different medals. silver and a bronze. That's right. Noble Ale Works. Yeah, they Took won like lot. yeah, whichever pub of the they, year. Did, I think yeah. they yeah. of the year. Pub, they won IPA brewery. and double IPA. Yeah. Well, they're a brewery. They're a medium brewery. Yeah, pack production brewery, whatever. Yeah. Production brewery. Size, yeah. And then uh, Julian, Julian, yep, Beachwood dominated. Yeah, he won like, and then ended up winning medium sized brew pub. I think is what large, large, large brew large, pub, large brew yeah. pub. Yeah, uh, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, Oma Gang won mid sized. Miller won large. Miller. Yeah. People cheered actually for the Miller one. I think they felt yeah. better that it wasn't Anheuser Busch. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to figure that one out, but. Um, it was a good time. Uh, you know what else I did while I was there is I took the train up to Baltimore oh. to oh. check out our site for BNA 11. Oh, and oh, how right. is it? Uh, good times? It's awesome. I, I always worry about these things because when they're in cities far away and I don't get to see them, you know, everyone says they're great. Um, I get there, and it's really cool. So it's a brewery that houses nine different breweries. So they, they contract um, or share the brewery with nine different uh, breweries. So right off the bat, we've got nine different breweries right there in one location. They have a huge tasting room. Um, they've got a game room. It's built on the location of the old Orioles field. Like the first one, like back when they weren't stadiums, it was a ball field with like stands and bleachers. There's these cool pictures. It's all cool old baseball memorabilia everywhere. Uh, They have a big outside area for us. Uh, We got a band coming in. It's only about, I I think he said, like three miles from the conference center. So the buses will be a really short ride. We got your transportation covered. And uh, I tried about five of the different breweries while I was there, and they were all really good. Wow. All right. So uh, I'm 
I'm excited. Uh, there's also a nano brewery in there with like a little half barrel system, and they're making special beers just for the event. Uh, it's just a, a really cool space that I think everybody's going to like. So uh, you can get your tickets now. Um, I think it's, uh, damn it. BNA11.eventbrite.com. You think so? Easily uh, available. You're right. BNA11.eventbrite.com. Or you can just go to eventbrite.com and search for it. Uh, you'll find it that way. But BNA11.eventbrite.com. Tickets are available now. They're limited. Uh, I think we're only letting in 500 people this year. Wow. That's, oh, less, nice. that's less than every year since about... Shit. <laughs> really a long Four. time. Uh, the, <laughs> Ever? The bistro? Uh, the bistro, yeah, right? I mean, bistro was maybe 150 100, People, you think? I think it's been over five ever since we did it in Oakland uh, when the conference yeah. came to Oakland. Yeah. So uh, I'm just saying that to you because I don't want to hear it this year. Like, just go get your tickets now. They're available. There's lots of them available right now. We're going to put, we, we've been blasting the BN Army email list. So if you're a donor, you're on that. We've been putting it up on our social media. I don't know where else to put it. <laughs> and every year this happens, we put it up, and then I get emails like, he didn't let me know about tickets. Yeah. And I, I just, left out. You know what we used to do is I, it's hard to estimate how many people are going because it changes with the conference location, and it changes with how many attendees. So what we've done, because I, I hate saying no to anybody. I, I hate when people are like, oh, I didn't get a ticket, and I want, I want everybody to be able to go. So we're always picking venues that are like between 600 people and 1,500 people. Which you might be able to imagine is nearly impossible to do. Totally. It's very expensive to do it that way, and it's just hard to do. But I always wanted everyone to be able to go. Well, we're not doing that anymore. I found us just a nice little location where we can hang out together. We're going to have some great beer. There's only room for 500 of you. So don't wait. Get your ticket. It's cheaper this year, too. Uh, that's the other bonus of doing it this way because the larger venues just cost so much. It's $35. Bucks. Um, that's transportation. All the tastes you can you can put wow. down your throat responsibly. And um, uh, a commemorative glass. Nice. Then we're going to have food trucks on hand. You, you could buy your own food. If I included food in the ticket, it goes up an incredible amount. And then I have to listen to why tickets are 50 bucks. So They're, they're vegan options? <laughs> yeah. Is there gluten-free options? Yeah. I need a cage-free option. Yeah. Is there organic options? <laughs> well, I want Is there an... organic gluten-free vegan options? <laughs> I want an all-caged option. <laughs> <laughs> Cruelty. All cruel. Harvested yeah, gluten truck is called, It's just called inhumane. Right. <laughs> inhumane food. <laughs> dot com. Uh, so well, the BN party is known for like the best, one of the best nights of the week. I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there's some great nights, like you know, club night, and they are. And I like being the kickoff. And this yeah. is going to be. I, I'm just saying, I pared it down size wise. But the rest, we're going to be hanging out. We got no. music, we got food, we got it all. Um, so, so please go get your ticket now, uh, or forever hold your peace. Um, yeah. Oh, and then. While I was there, I went down to the conference area where the conference itself is. It's really cool. All right. So me, like everybody else, has been like, and I didn't say this publicly, but in my mind, I'm like, Baltimore, huh? Like, what's going to happen in Baltimore? Right. Man, I met a friend. I went down to this area. It is on the waterfront. There's like 10 cool bars right there within walking distance of the conference. One of them is known as like the best beer bar on the East Coast. Called It's called Max's. And they get things out there that nobody else gets. Like they get Jester King out there. They get, I mean, th- this place was enormous. It's, in oh. fact, it, I think, I'm pretty sure it's at least two floors. And maybe 
maybe three uh, different floors of space and beer. And they've got they had a wall of just sour beers in coolers. Um, So uh, really cool place. And then the whole little downtown area right there by the conference center. And, you know, you never get that far from the conference center anyway when you go. That's true. So I'm just saying if anybody was worried about this being a Baltimore, I think this is going to be one of those really cool years. Like, remember Grand Rapids? Yeah. It was this tiny little area that yeah. ended up being the coolest time we had had in, in years. That's true. Well, because the karaoke bars are across the Well, that's part of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to have a great time in Baltimore. So it's not like the place... In Baltimore, where it was several years ago, where it was like the hotel, the hotel staff themselves were saying, "Yeah, you can walk down half a block to the diner, but don't go any farther than that." Seriously, please don't do that. It's not in that okay. area. Right. And I didn't go that year. That was actually the year we started and uh, the, the Brewing Network. And oh, John, wow. okay. John Plisse went, but I was I, I, there's no way I could do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not positive, but there is nothing wrong with this area. Okay, this cool. area was so cool. Well, that's great. Um, yeah. And I just, I went walking around it myself. Because it's on the waterfront, it just—it was really cool. Yeah. So go to homebrewcon.org and get your tickets to join us out there, and then you can you can go to the BN party, uh, of course, for an additional ticket on the Wednesday, and then <laughs> uh, you can be at the conference Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where we hang out the whole time. And uh, I, I highly recommend you do it because it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. You come by on Thursday afternoon to hear me speak. Oh, you're doing a oh, presentation? Nice. Sure, why not? What sure. Are you do, what are you doing on this year? I'm talking about accelerated lager fermentation. Perfect. Yeah. I like that. Sure. That's two and, years in a row, isn't it? Didn't uh, you do no, it last I didn't go. Year? I didn't speak last year. I spoke to Grand Rapids. The year yeah. before. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I won't be there, so that's a selling point. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. I can't do your intro this year, Tasty. Oh no. I'm not on the. I won't be on the You're governing retiring? committee. I retired from oh, the. I'm oh. on it. I'm on it until June. Right. But I did not. Re, I did not run for re-election. So I can't do it. Well, maybe we could do a vigilante thing. Like, I could they'll, do they'll do a thaw uh, introduction, then you can run up and grab it. It'd be like more part of my dealer, right? There you go. It'd be like Kanye. Right. Yeah. I could, do the, uh, I could do the intermission if you want. Yeah, I'll do a little like, my two Richter. minutes of uh, comedy for you in the middle while everyone takes a pee. You do stand up, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a lot of material, so yeah, that'd be great. Okay. <laughs> Better than my time. shadow puppet. Yeah. yeah. You mean to write like, some jokes? Uh, you're like, here's how yeah. it go, guys. Uh, speed up fermentation. All right. I'll <laughs> right. see you out yeah. in the hall. Do, right. it, do it warmer. <laughs> here's the chart. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yet another reason to go to HomebrewCon. Um, okay. Uh, you can get Moscow's Hop Life gear, which is cool original artwork of uh, little hop people doing cool things um check that out at uh, hoplifegear.com do your amazon shopping i don't know if we've been telling you but you can now do your amazon shopping uh if you live in canada and if you live in the uk uh as well as of course the u.s so when you click on the amazon link on our homepage, it's going to bring you to a page with three links and you choose which area you're from uh canada or the UK, ah. or the US. People have been asking us for that, and we went and figured out how to do it. So it's just an easy way and a great way for you to support the Brewing Network because we get a percentage of, of all the sales, and you can just keep doing your Amazon shopping like normal. Yeah, especially you cheap-ass guys who don't uh, join in. That's right. <laughs> do your shopping. That helps. That helps. Yes. Do they just send Feel-free. Canadian dollars and, and euros? I don't know yet. I, we, I haven't gotten stuff? the... Uh, I uh, hope not. The guy brings the money by. Because right. then all we can do is like take Canadian and UK vacations to spend the earnings. Oh no! All right with it. Yeah, yeah. foreign accounts. That's where it's at. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so do that and help us out. You can also subscribe. 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 Do that. Subscribe. Do both. Just with, practicing. With all of them. 
subscribe and join the BN Army. Uh, just click the donate button on the homepage. That enters you for a chance to win the More Beer monthly donation giveaway. It's a $100 gift certificate from our wonderful sponsor of this program uh, and every session that we do, More Beer. And then you get our newsletter and, I don't know, it, soon you'll be getting other perks. I, I can't really tell you what. And I can't tell you how soon either. You know what soon means to me. could be next year. Um, but I do recommend you become uh, a BN Army member if you can afford it. It's like as little as two bucks a month or more if you got it. If you're a brewer, <laughs> if you're a brewer listening in a brewery to our podcast, you should get your brewery to, to join. There you go. Yeah. Sign up yeah. as a sponsor. Join Part as a sponsor. A, anything like that. Yeah, hit them up for that. Brewery pro- sponsorships are cheap now. We, we reduced all our pricing at the GABF, and I've kept it there. So, um, all right. So, a lot of ways to support. Get all this information and more over on Twitter and Facebook. Send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. And um, I'll send everything else over to JP. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, do we have a Twitter game today? We do. Our Twitter game is brought to you by our newest title sponsor of BNA 11, HopTech Homebrew Supply. Hey! Yeah. I love them. Jade and nice. Roberto over there, always supporting the Brewing Network, always supporting Homebrew. In fact, they were telling me that they're supporting different events, too, not just ours. Um, and so that's really exciting to see. So go check them out over at HopTech uh, Homebrew and um, support them for supporting us. What's our Twitter game? Uh, well, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the astrological events that have been happening, but uh, the planet Mer- Mercury crossed the sun's path or is going to cross the sun's path or something, I guess. I don't know. And that has astrologists all in a tizzy. Apparently, a horoscope can be very affected by Mercury oh. rising or m- mojo, right? whatever. That's what's, what's been happening. That's yeah. what's been happening. It's into the astrology. No, no wonder this shit's been hitting. Yeah. So that's wow. the fucked up part, right? So if we were to make up an astrological sign, because let's be clear they're all made up uh what would it be and then what would your horoscope be so give me give me like you know like a scorpio you know you're, you're gonna have no friend whatever it is right and like, it's for like the all of the bn like yeah. one sign but, one horoscope for the bn sure okay yeah so what would our astrological sign be i don't know how many there are but uh you know like uh, a, a mountain goat sure oh, okay yeah i think that's one is that one no oh it's a ram a ram I think that's sure. Right, think ours, ours will be having sex. I think that's it's Chinese. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just could connect the dots in the sky, right? That's how you make them? Yeah. That's how you, sure. Oh, so there's probably at least right. one mountain goat up there. Right. I'm sure there is. Yeah. All right. That's well, your you Twitter game today. Uh, let's do a little feedback. Feedback's brought to you today by our good friend John over at the Beer Law Center. Uh, John helps us out with all sorts of things, especially our trademark. He can help you, too. Starting your brewery, trademark protection, copyright, all of that stuff. Go check him out at beerlawcenter.com. All right, Fish writes in, what's with the glasses? Okay. Um, He says, okay, I'm a patient person. I waited and still no glassware. I get it. It sucks to ship. So I get on a plane and I fly to San Fran. I can spare a weekend to get a BN cup. But even at the bar, no glassware for sale. 5,000 miles later, I'm still drinking from a non-BN branded glass. When will you be getting new glasses? Um... And then, uh, P.S., I miss Justin. J.P. sucks at donkey ass. Just kidding. J.P.'s awesome. Ha, ha, ha. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> there you go. Schizophrenia, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Well, there's fish. Well, and and he did one. fly across the country to maybe buy a glass. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're yeah. still not entirely so, clear. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, fish, I don't know, man. So, we don't sell glassware here at the bar because we don't. We don't use hop grenade glassware here at the bar because it all just gets stolen. Uh, 
And we don't have a storage area to store enough merch to keep glassware on hand. That's the simple answer. We wouldn't sell enough of it, and we just we can't. And then since I outsourced my store to another company, which uh, I know it sounds lazy, but it's the best thing we ever did, um, that we get better designs and the stuff ships to you faster. It's, it's no just, overruns it's, it's, and sizes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, just, that, it's right? the way to go. Um, well, they don't make glassware. They, just, they do all the, all the merchandise. So I have to pay them extra to keep stuff in their warehouse that isn't their stuff. And then I have to order it in such bulk that by the time I were to sell out of all that glassware, I would maybe have broken even. Because all the storage costs have been right. the whole time. Yeah. So I don't expect we're going to have hop grenade glassware anytime soon. Um, what you know, about a, like a to say it. pre-order thing where... It wouldn't sit there very long at all. Like, yeah, you know, now that I could maybe do. Yeah, mm-hmm. we could potentially look at a pre-order. Um, <laughs> you know, just pay CODIS to do it all. Well, they don't. Yeah, yeah, they can just take orders and then it just automatically go uh, hold. And when you got up to a pallet, where's the CODIS? That might work. Or just come to Winterfest. Yeah, you get your commemorative one. glass. Or BNA 11. Or, or a case of glasses. That's true. We have done several events over the years. All of them have glasses. Yeah. Um, yeah, let me see about that. That's a possibility. Even then, what happens, it's like a small number. It's like with 3XL shirts. Right. right. All right? It seems that there's like a gaggle of people that want 3XL shirts by the feedback that we get. But when we get them, it turns out that it's 12 people yeah. making a lot of noise. And it's the same with glassware. It ends up being 12 people making a lot of noise. Um, but we'll see. All right, well, I'll, that way you'd find, you know, if they're up for it. Like, kind of like White Labs is doing their... Uh the East Vault. Yeah. They're looking to see what the interest is. Yeah, that's true. I could just make a minimum, and if we don't reach it, uh, you don't get charged. Give a letter back. All right, let me see what I can do about that. All right, uh, Burger Brew writes in about brewing experiments. Dear Brewcasters, after listening to last Monday's Homebrew All-Star show, I had a question about experimenting with batch sizes. As a scientist by profession, I'm def- definitely a self-identified science process nerd. My question, how small of a batch of beer can I make and still have it be representative of the results of a five-gallon batch size anybody, anybody know I, wouldn't. I mean, I mean that, obviously really really small would be silly right i mean well, well to me the, to me the difference, yeah, the well, difference a is, quarter gallon right yeah if you had equipment that was scaled exactly you know uh, proportionally geometry wise yeah like if you're you know if you filled your five gallon kettle three-fourths full at, when you went to do a boil yeah you had this other vessel that was three-fourths full when you went to do a one gallon boil Right. Okay. I mean, it's a kind of an unusual shaped vessel. Yeah. Just to me, it's all, and then of course you put appropriate amount of B, you know, BTUs to that, so you get the very similar boil. Because to me, that's where the, the difference would be is, is in the uh, oh, in the boil. In the boil. It, it, it gets even more complicated when you go to fermentation. You have to scale down the exact size fermenter. The, the partial pressures everything. of the liquid <laughs> on the yeast is going to affect the fermentation profile. You have to adjust your temperature just right. Why? Is, is <laughs> why? why wh- Five gallons is small enough. Well, alternatively, how uh, how small of a batch is the new Pico system? I believe it's a gallon, a, just a hair over a gallon. What's yeah, the Pico yeah. brew, the bigger 2. one? 2.5. So that one's two and a half gallons. So there's a half size down. And then yeah. the new, it's just called Pico, right? It's called the Pico. The other one's the Zymatic. Ah, the Zymatic. Yeah. And then the new one's called the Pico from the people right. over at Pico Brew. Yeah. That's a gallon you make on, I know maybe you were asking about equipment stuff, but this is a piece of equipment you could do and make a gallon at a time. So, yeah, for If sure. you need less than a gallon, let's be honest, you shouldn't be homebrew. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, and you're, I mean, so if you're if you're well, if you're testing, if you're trying to like test heard, test recipes and yeah. shit like that, 
you know, but still even at a gallon, maybe. But yeah. you know, two and a half gallons is is fine. But it's only it's only five gallons, and I know that sounds like it's not a lot, but it's only five gallons. It's not going to cost you that much more. You're not really saving a ton of time, right? And then just give the beer away if you don't want, yeah. or just dump it. Like it, that's go. okay if it doesn't work out. It's still going to be good. I'm assuming. Because you're, you know, you're making it. I don't know who you are. Well, uh, but I wouldn't worry about it. He did admit that he's a uh, science and process nerd. So go back yeah. and, and rewind what Tasty and Beardy just said about how you would With scale it. it all down and then and start from there. Because you could do something like that. Yeah. It's just going to be real expensive. So if you're doing it for money, money reasons, it's, it's not going to pay off. Yeah, it's true. All right, let's see. Eric writes in about Europe distribution. Hello, guys. Europe. Bevo. Uh, in the episode with the Rheingeist Brewery, you talked about distributing in Europe and the fact that there is no three-tier system here like uh, that hinders American breweries to establish themselves in Europe. In Sweden... I, that was a confusing sentence to me, but yeah. in Sweden, where I live, yeah. we have a monopoly on selling alcohol above three and a half ABV. Um, a monopoly? Who the Wait, government is the monopoly? Who, who and I was wondering if breweries in the U.S. find it easier to distribute to countries with alcohol monopoly. Do the monopoly help them in regards of distribution within that? And I'm not making fun of you for for uh, being from another uh, country and language, Eric. I'm just having trouble figuring out what you mean here. It's almost like you're saying that there's just only one distributor in the whole uh, right. country. Uh, okay. Does that make it easier? One point of contact. You don't have to like yeah. Yeah. stop it. Find it easier to do, do breweries in the U.S. Find it easier to distribute to countries with a, with alcohol monopoly. I can't answer this question. I think even if I was was clear that you're talking about a, dist, a distribution monopoly, I don't know. You know, I don't think it's all that hard for U.S. breweries to distribute to other countries. They're they're always being contacted to do so with the right. rise of craft beer now. And there are people who are willing to do some of that legwork for them. I know that. I think what's difficult is that it's uh, expensive on one hand, uh, so the beer becomes expensive when it gets there. And then a lot of brewers just worry how the beer is treated by the time it gets there. Is it representative? And then finally... They sell every drop of beer before they make it, most of them, right here in their own market. Um, and so that's a hard thing for brewers to decide. Am I going to send it across the world when I haven't even yet sent it across my the own uh, this country? The next county. Yeah. Right, right. That's what I hear yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, that being said, people do do it all the time because I think it's no, cool. I heard say, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have a beer in, in Europe or something. Yeah. 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 Well, so, maybe it is easier just to go foreign with it than to try to figure out shipping across state it, lines and state from state to state regulations might vary i don't know it, it's easier in that the like justin was kind of saying the beer is getting pulled there more than small brewers are pushing it mm-hmm. yeah that, yeah uh, internationally mm-hmm. and it, it's also more profitable because you don't have to pay excise tax on beer shipped internationally so the brewery makes a little bit more mm-hmm. well i don't like working out anyway so that sucks right so, yeah, I'm sorry that that probably doesn't answer your question, Eric. I just wasn't sure if I'm really clear on it. Um, he does say, uh, P.S., as soon as I finish my studies, I'll gladly join up as a donor uh, for the BN. Oh, uh, and that's very nice of you. And by the way, you know, as much as I, as much bitching as I do on the show about people not supporting, if you don't have any money, you know, the show is free. I've always said that. That's fine. I don't, exp- I don't want you spending your student loans on, on my show. Um, I do. It's when you come, it's when you've, it's when you've opened a brewery five years from now and you're successful yeah. after you're three years. And you're doing it. 
in a brewery expansion, and you come up to me and you're like, oh, I just want to thank you. I wouldn't be here without you guys. Got a ton of those last and week. And you're not a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying you're a douchebag or anything. I'm just kind of saying um, you're a douchebag. That has a name. <laughs> it's called a verbal hand job. Right. <laughs> and I do. I'm flattered. Uh, that we have helped the industry so much, um, but it's a hard thing to hear. Uh, not now, startup brewers tell me all the time, oh, and we're just opening and whatever. Uh-huh. And I get it, like you're bootstrapped. That's fine. I like believe me. I'm not saying anybody should spend money they don't have. But it's when you tell me all the things, you're like, uh, oh yeah, we're on our fifth expansion. I <laughs> I, I, I own a house <laughs> because of you. Like uh, you gave <laughs> me my dream career. And then I'm like, yeah, God, I don't remember you on the sponsor list. I must have missed it. Like uh, I, I probably I must be playing your commercials but i'm not sure <laughs> those are the ones where i'm like verbal hand jobs right. sir yes i thought yeah. you were talking about me until you said owning your own house <laughs> right, and being right. happy and, and successful <laughs> people do it to to you know to waiters too as servers it's a it's called a verbal tip it's when you know <laughs> when you're a cheap tipper but you get great service right and you appreciate it you know i'm mm-hmm. not saying you don't yeah. genuinely appreciate it. And, and here's what you do you think you know you're and you just you just tell them man you know this was just the best experience you're the, the the best server and you write little notes on the receipt you write Smiley. everything except mm-hmm. for the tip you're supposed to yeah. write eight percent yeah, yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and i'm just telling you uh that also has a name it's called a verbal tip right. and uh nobody likes him <laughs> so anyway thanks for writing in eric Sorry, I made an example out of you uh here's something from the beer news i guess commentary on beer news from april 11th uh thanks to some delay in the newer episodes becoming available um Backhanded. Uh, you just got nagged. I would like. I just got nagged. I would. Well, like that wasn't to, a hand job. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> it was just a straight nag. That was a punch. Um, I would like to point out something from the beer news segment on the Four Eleven Show. The issue being discussed was about tax dollars being used to lure breweries to states other than where they originate from, and the question became uh, what the brewers in the area thought about it. I asked the same question regarding Stone coming to Richmond and Green Flash coming to Virginia Beach. Um, the over-the-air answer between JP and Tasty was that these large breweries are, are for regional production and not in competition with local breweries. However, as I'm seeing here in Richmond, Stone is acting in a similar fashion as any local brewery with a tasting room and the bistro uh, when it becomes open and will be similar to local brew pubs. So in reality, they're a bit of both, a large production plant for the East Coast and a local brewery. Uh, as I suggested then, as I do now, is there a way to bring on some brewers from these local areas to get their actual opinion? Slow down, um, dude. <laughs> it, it may be that they're operating under Brewer's Code and aren't fighting uh, for tap shelf space any more than usual, but it's definitely an interesting topic. Well, I agree with you, Tom. It's an interesting topic. You know, there's two things that I have found guests on this show, brewers, are pussies about. Yeah, It's mergers. Right. Yeah. They, they all come on the show before the merger and they do come on the show after the merger. And I have to throw them softballs because I know they don't answer these questions. And it's also things like this. When you ask, are you in competition? It's the word competition comes out. And I'm just going to tell you, yes, I can do that show. And yes, I can invite people to come on here. But I don't think you're going to get truthful answers on anybody. I think you're mostly going to get public relations answers. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, brewers are open about all sorts of other stuff on this show, so I'm not saying they, they, they need to tell me everything. You know, we get a lot of recipe stuff. We get a lot of info about uh, you name it. But when it comes to those two topics, competition or mergers, they all shut right up. Yeah. 
I mean, can you imagine that conversation? Like if someone was just honest about it? Yeah, we moved to this city because they gave us a bunch of free cash. And, uh, you know, yes, we're still going to try to dominate every other small brewery out there. It's just, I mean, what kind <laughs> of answer are you actually that. looking well, for? Yeah, yeah, if you know anything right. about business at all, you, you, a market can't survive with just tons and tons of people producing a similar product. Yeah. Uh, you, you are in competition for shelf space, regardless of what people want to say. Right. It's, a, it's a business. You're trying to make money. You're trying to grow. And you can't do that if you let other people come into your market and, do the, and, and make essentially what is the same product. Right. You just, it's just not going to happen. And at some point, you know the answer to that question. What's the point of making everyone have to say it? Right. <laughs> and and making the room awkward. Yeah. But yeah. there is some, yeah, I, I still think if we got real answer, there'd be some interest. It'd be an interesting topic for a little while. For a bit, yeah. But, yeah. I, but you know, I think you're right. No one's going to give you an, uh, an interesting or honest answer. Yeah, okay, I agree. By the way, uh, Stone is opening two locations at once, basically. Uh, yeah. Berlin and then, uh, what do they say, Virginia? Richmond, right? Um, yeah. I think it's in Oregon or something. <laughs> So that's crazy for Mitch. I saw Mitch and uh, oh yeah, he's, he's running around everywhere. All right, last one here. Uh, this one's to JP. It looks like JP. I've been enjoying the Justin List shows with you and Beardy. You guys get better every episode, but um, <laughs> but do shut the f up about the cloudy East Coast Vermont New England IPAs. Yes. I get it. You don't like them, and you're more than awesome for your opinion. Um, but you have expressed that opinion at least once on each of the last four <laughs> sections. It's getting old I, I and might, a little offensive. I might have baited it. Says, uh, says Green Mountain Drinker. Offensive. Offe- wow. He's offended. offended. Huh. Um, Where's he from? Uh, uh, south? Uh, doesn't New England, say. I would yeah. imagine. <laughs> what is he crying into his juicy, murky IPA? Yeah, <laughs> trying to make a salt adjustment. Yeah. yeah, that's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. Sorry. I mean, eventually, when the fad goes away, I'll stop complaining right. about it. But uh, don't be offended, bro. Unless you started it. <laughs> It's all your you fault. started the trend, you mean? Unless you started the trend. Right. I see. Don't worry about it. I <laughs> thought you meant, like, you started it. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to say anything. Stay on your side yeah. of the email, yeah. but you started Justin, it. he started it. No, he did it. <laughs> uh, cream. I'm a little offended. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Thank you. I'll have you know I did not have any um, cloudy IPAs while oh, I was on this I went right to tired hands. That's the, uh, okay. They're known for that. They're the, the king. Like the yeasty. Oh uh, no! I, uh, no, they were gravy. They're polyphenols. I'm 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 no, no, They're not yeasty at all. Polyphenols. Yeah. yeah. I had some pretty decent beer out there. I can't remember any of it, but yeah. uh, yards beer. <laughs> Me too. A lot of good yards beer. Yeah, the yards beer I remember was was really tasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, really like their pale ale. A, a very much like a lighter pale ale. Uh, even yeah. like straw color, um, but great flavor. Uh, I don't know a few other things. Some good places. We went to a place called Brew. Oh, there. yes, here a couple times. That place was really good. But packed. But yeah, yeah. Uh, blind pig on right. Uh, yeah, yeah, blind pig. Did you have one? Yeah, I didn't. No, I, I didn't. Uh, I was trying my best to order other things. Exactly. You know what the problem? Well, you know what was great about it too the staff there. Yeah. Uh, very nice staff. Oh. Very very nice staff. They sound great. Did you give them a verbal tip? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just the great tip. uniforms. Hot pants. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, yes, Susie. Yes, Susie's making motions. <laughs> Susie, use your microphone. Are they yeah. nice? <laughs> Hit the button. Use your words. 
I was just wondering what the uniforms were. Um, yeah, they weren't actually uniforms. They got to choose their own things, but they chose similar things, and they were they were well chosen. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Is your thing on? Speak up. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Barely. Project, Susie. You haven't been here in a while, have you? No, I haven't. There, there you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, that place was cool for, for that. Okay. <laughs> what wasn't cool, and I get it, I do this at my place like halfway. When the lights are too low and it, like all for ambience, like it's already hard for me to read. And then if you dim the lights a little, it's harder for me to read. Like my eyesight's going. I have to do the reading glasses now. Yeah. But if you dim the lights that much, you could put uh, binoculars on my face. <laughs> I can't read these things. You start reading in Braille, dude. There's like a nice happy medium between yeah. you don't have the lights on blast, but you don't. I don't need a romantic candlelit dinner either. No, especially because you're drinking a beer. I want it in the middle. Right. I want to even the floor. do candles at my place, <laughs> but we still put the lights in the middle. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to see the color gradients on the floor. I don't want to yes. just be like standing in murkiness. Uh, and it's just because, yeah, because I can't order a beer. At one point there, I didn't have my glasses anyway, but I was there the night before and it didn't work. Um, And I had nobody there to help me. Like, I had no (laughs) friends. I was by myself. What'd you have? So I just, I was like, I just pointed at something on the menu. Like, I just held it up and was like, I'll have that one. I feel so bad for you. (laughs) This is your life. That's every bar I go into. You should take a picture of the menu with your phone. Then you can magnify. That's actually what I do. Oh, that's a good idea. If you see me staring at my phone in a bar, yeah. I'm not texting somebody else while I'm hanging out at the bar. I'm reading the menu because I took a picture of it. Okay, good trick. I'm going to remember that because <laughs> that, would, that would have been yeah. very helpful. Yeah. Well, life I'll, lessons. I'll too. give you all the tips for going blind oh. if you want. It's yeah. happening, man. Yeah. It's happening fast. I'm getting old really fast. You know? Oh, I do. Oh. I can see Is it. Everybody right. I've been, I'm witnessing right. uh, Front row seat. Everything, oh. everything hurts. Everything hurts. <laughs> All the oh, time. Right. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, our friend Peter Simon is going to talk to us about the new book, Bronzed Brews, live from Australia. Not us, Peter. We'll be right back. It's the session. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? First Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jimmy Olzanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. (laughs) 
Brewing Great Beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications, with more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing Recipes, Tales, and World Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at BrewersPublications.com. Brewers Publications, all the best on beer and brewing. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, More Beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to MoreBeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Marin Brewing Company in Northern California has been making award-winning beers for more than 25 freaking years. Today, I want to tell you about their new 12-ounce cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale. The good stuff, Mount Tam is bright gold, 5.5% ABV to keep you feeling good, and has been winning awards since 1989. If you're visiting the Bay Area, get your butt out to Marin Brewing Company. They pour tasty beers and serve great food every day until midnight. Come in for a tour, stay for the food, and pick up a six-pack of cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale to enjoy at home, camping, biking, or whatever the hell you do. Owner Brandon Moylan has this to say about Marin Brewing Beers. It's freaking awesome. Marin Brewing has won more than 100 gold medals in international competitions. Check out MarinBrewing.com for all their award-winning beers, food, and merch. Marin Brewing Company in Larksburg, California. Award-winning taste, refreshing finish. It's freaking awesome. are back. It is a 401 beer. Whatever. Welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. In just a moment, we'll be talking to our friend Peter Simons, uh, author of the new book, Bronzed Brews, uh, about Australian beers. Uh, Before that, I wanted to remind you about our other friends over at Great Fermentations. You can go to greatfermentations.com and check them out. It's a wonderful homebrew supply store that's supporting the Brewing Network, and you should support them, too. They've got the largest catalog of Blickman products on the web and uh, same-day shipping on some of the main items 
which a lot of other vendors uh, can take up to three weeks to get those. The staff is the best trained in using Blickman products, and they offer top-notch customer service. Also, they got a coupon code for you, BN Army. Um, you can use coupon code BNARMY50, BNARMY50, and that's a dollar off shipping on all orders over 50 bucks to the end of May. Um, bulk grains are uh, not included uh, because that would just be ridiculous, right? Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> so, but you can go to greatfermentations.com right now and use coupon code BNARMY50 and uh, get yourself a little discount. They're trying to help us out, and you should go do the same for them. All right, we got Peter Simons on the program right now, live from Australia, uh, the author of Bronze Brews. How are you, buddy? Boop. Boop. <laughs> I'm really well. Good. Good. I'm glad to have you on the show. Uh, Peter, let me ask you something. Aren't you retired? <laughs> no. No, retired is a very serious word. Okay. It implies you're working hard when you weren't retired. I, I'm... I don't like the word retired because it sounds so permanent. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, I thought you were reti- like a retired person. In other words, like you could go live your life and not work anymore. And you took on the book project. Well, I couldn't have done the book without working because... Um, I managed to synchronize uh, my archive visits with um, international travel and uh, travel within Australasia. Okay. So I, I couldn't actually have got to where I got to if I um, used the R word. Um, <laughs> I see. All right. I don't know. However, yeah. however, the... Um, uh, they have something in Australia called a transition to retirement, oh. which enables you to still work uh, and you can draw down some of your superannuation. So I see that that's so I, I don't like the R word. I don't R word. R word sounds as though you got one foot in the grave. It's just not nice. <laughs> no, see, it I don't. Precedes that. That's how people think about it, but I don't think of it that way. I and I don't understand the wanting to work more thing either. Like, I just want to hang out at home and develop a really substantial drug problem, like or something. Like, there's plenty of things you could do with to enjoy your time here on this earth that doesn't involve work. You know, he doesn't care. Or writing a book. <laughs> He's like, no, you lazy shit. Just keep working. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're just a slack ass, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So you're still working, and then you, you parlayed your work travel, it sounds like, into uh, research for this book. Let's get a little bit of history about, about you first before the book. Um, have you uh, been an author before? Uh, no. No, I'm... Um but then again, the the work thing, uh, if I look back on what I've done for the last 15-odd uh, years, uh, the vast majority of what you do is, um, the, or what I've been doing, is writing reports. So the, the, the sort of structures that um, I'm familiar with uh, were a bit of a help. Okay. But writing a, writing a book is... Um, is very it's very challenging oh, i bet <laughs> yeah i remember jamil talking about it too when he was writing his first books and he hadn't really done it before and yeah i can imagine it's extremely challenging 
Um, Did he talk you into it? What made you want to do it? Well, it was it, when Jamil asked me to talk about Australian sparkling on the, uh, what's it then? Can you brew it or one of them? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't know either. Uh, I, um, I went and did a bit of research to uh, uh, try and at least talk somewhat sensibly about it. And uh, I, was, I was surprised that there was no information about Australian beers, uh, at least from a brewing sense. There's heaps of information about brewing histories, uh, who took over who and all that other good stuff. Right. But hardly anything about the beer. So if you like, it's all Jay-Z's fault. <laughs> right. And that was, that was a few years ago doing that show, I think. So that kind of planted the seed for you to want to create something, some body of work that does look at Australian beers? Yeah, the, um, uh, the biggest hurdle initially was um, there's so much rubbish on the Internet and hardly any of it is, is factually based. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then... Uh, trying to track down where uh, some of the uh, the records from the big breweries were actually held was quite tricky, and it was a a, a bit of a um, a daisy chain. I found at the Powerhouse Museum in Sydney uh, some records. The earliest Australian one that I found was 1844, uh, and from there, he said, well, do you realize there's some in Canberra? And I said, no. Yeah. And, and it, it, just, it just sort of um, uh, evolved. Uh, once, you, once I found the one in Canberra, uh, I then was able to, to delve into um, uh, all these lovely boxes of moldy old archives. <laughs> and, and then... The analysis of that took forever. I mean, I've got gigabytes, literally gigabytes of photographs, and trying to come up with a, a hopefully coherent story out of all these little snippets of information is, is um, yeah, really took the time. I bet. Plus, you're probably thinking, shit, I have to go back to Canberra. Nobody wants to go there, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I seem to recall that you managed to um, uh, make an appearance there. and uh, I actually had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how but, do you mm. find the works? How do you discover which places they're at? Because I'm hearing what you're saying. You know, most people, you're just you're doing Internet research now. That's, that's the norm. So how do you end up finding out, like, this is the physical location I need to be at to, uh, to find this information? Uh, there's um, there's a a fair amount of information uh, actually through the search engines on the internet, uh, but ultimately, uh, not everything is held uh, on the internet. Right. So you need to actually go there and um, have a look in the indices, and then it's potluck. Uh, you can get a box with. Nothing. Yeah. Well, nothing as far as um, things that I'm interested in, like processes and um, and production records. Uh, and then occasionally a box would turn up, and you find um, the diary of um, 
of a brewer uh, where he's actually written down all of the details as if you were a home brewer. Wow. He's actually written down water treatments, mashing temperatures, the whole thing. Are you going and to go? Woo! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you going to breweries to find this information? Like, how, how is this information going from an existing brewery 150 years ago or whatever to being accessible by presumably anybody, or is it not? Yeah, well, it, I think we there are unnamed people that provided this rich resource um, for future investigation. So what was the point of the book? Uh, for us to be able to recreate um, old Australian beers that are almost impossible to find now? Yeah, the, 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 the point of the book was uh, very much around um, actually documenting uh, from the production records and the processes and interpretation of the processes uh, how you could recreate uh, historical beers uh, ranging from the 1830s where you've got beers with 50% sugar uh, to beers that are within living memory of, um, of people that would have drunk the beers. Got it. I've always thought that the hard part about books like this, and I'm sure you've thought of this too, um, is that there's nothing really to compare them to anymore in most cases, right? So you've, you piece together these recipes, but when you brew it, you know, do you, how are you able to see if it was like the old ale or lager, for that matter? Yeah. Um, the, most of the recipes have actually been uh, trialed and brewed by um, uh, my colleagues in the Extra Spectral Brewers uh, Homebrew Club. Excellent. Uh, uh, Barry Cranston, who you may recall, uh, did most of the lagers because he's good at lagers. Yeah. Um, and... We did a dinner ale from 1917, a Rex's dinner ale, and Barry gave a, a bottle of that to someone uh, who uh, was familiar with dinner ale from the 1970s, and he felt it had that same general um, flavour profile. Interesting. So, you know... Uh, it's not very uh, scientific. Right. Um, but it's but, something, uh, yeah, with these things. The, that don't the feedback that we've had is that the bulk of the beers are, are very drinkable uh, and wouldn't be out of place today. Got it. Hmm. How would you describe a dinner ale? I've never heard of a dinner ale. What's, what's your description of it? Ah, oh, okay, a dinner ale. Um, in the early 20th century, uh, there was a, a fashion for uh, lighter ales than the uh, imported IPAs and Burton ales, uh, and these were sort of generically called dinner ales. Uh, the Resch's dinner ale is actually uh, fermented as a lager, so it's quite a clean 4.5%, uh, quite crisp uh, Nice, easy-drinking beer. Okay. 
Sounds great. Yeah, see, I like hearing about styles like that, especially yeah. especially the name is just sort of per, like I like when they're just very you know plain. Dinner like, and you know when is. to have like, it. Yeah, yeah, like which if you when do you have it at breakfast? <laughs> no, 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 that's breakfast oh, ale. Come on, shit. Okay, got it. Dinner ale. I'm being serious. Though. I really like this stuff. is is super interesting to me. And then you get to find out about the style lower in alcohol. You often find uh, JP. You read the book cover to cover, right? I did. Yeah. Well, mostly. I read uh, I read actually about three-fourths of it. Did you? Yeah, I did. I, I found it very fascinating. I like that kind of thing. Uh, you know, just about where where we come from, especially as a, as a beer culture. You know, and uh, Australia is, uh, you know, I don't know. They came from, obviously, England, right? The UK. But they kind of developed their own style of beers, their own take on the beers, uh, mainly from where they lived. Right. You know, the, the hop crops that came over changed based on uh, their terroir and imparted their own flavors that the English crops weren't. Uh, You know, they were bringing in hops and malt from California and Oregon, of all places. I don't know. To me, that blew me away in like the 1800s. Yeah, that's the stuff I want to talk about. It's the different ingredients. I love hearing that they were importing them from California. And how do you even know about it? I mean, you're in Australia. It's not like it's on the internet. You call them up on the phone. Right. Wait, when was the phone invented? People, um, people moved around the world on ships. I don't think it was. <laughs> yeah, but uh, still, I don't know. I mean, but you read in the paper, like on the on you know, Catlin, San Francisco, Tasty's new colony <laughs> in Australia. Someone goes there to try to sell people malt. Tasty, yeah. which of your birthdays did you get that new phone invention? <laughs> <laughs> the Tefalome. Was it before the icebox? Yeah. Or after? Yeah. All right. Hang in there. It's the session. We will be right back. With or without our friend Peter. Hang in there. <laughs> it's session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Brandon again from Drake's Brewing Company. We've gotten together with our friends at Bike East Bay to announce the fourth annual NorCal Session Fest on May 21st from 1 to 5 p.m. in Jack London Square. Come hang with over 35 craft breweries as they once again prove that big flavor doesn't have to come from strong beer. And all beer at the event will be under 5% ABV. Enjoy selections of beautifully crafted, full-flavored, and super-refreshing session beers while helping to support Bike East Bay's mission of bringing better, safer biking to the East Bay community. There'll be food, a free bike valet, and live music that will set the soundtrack for your session beer drinking good times. Tickets are just 30 bucks and include a commemorative glass and 10 beer-tasting tickets. Mark your calendars for May 21st and visit drinkdrakes.com for more information. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the 
hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special secret elite bare-bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W NicoBrew Your bare bones buddy in the brewing business Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today if you work in retail sales the restaurant industry or are a new craft beer enthusiast or you know someone who is you have got to check out beer 101 beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer beer 101 covers the history of beer brewing ingredients and processes vital stats like abv srm ibu and gravity styles tasting glassware and pairing beer with food the beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. All 
right. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. We've got more to do, and I wanted to let you know about uh, the Homebrew Label Awards from our friends over at GrogTat. Uh, if you've got an awesome custom label for your custom brew or are the envy of your creativity challenge friends, um, or maybe you just like to give your opinion on stuff, well, now you can prove it. With GrogTag, enter your original label in the 2016 National Homebrew Label Awards. Not only is it the largest online label competition in the world, uh, well, as far as we know, uh, but this year there are over $5,000 in prizes up for grabs. So head over to homebrewlabelawards.com and enter your label, or you could just vote for your favorite, you know, if you're like us and you just want to sit around and pass judgment instead of actually do anything. I don't approve that. I think that's <laughs> weird that you said that. Yeah. You could do cool. better. Which home brew competitions to get $5,000? Right. Uh, the deadline's coming up pretty quick. Uh, deadline for entry is May 20th. You got a little time, uh, but keep that in mind. It's May 20th. And the sooner they enter, the more votes you're going to get because people got to go vote for it. So get on this thing. And who knows? Your label might be uh, might go on to fame and glory if you become the winner of the Homebrew Label Awards. Go to homebrewlabelawards.com and check it out. All right. So we are still talking with Peter Simons, the author of uh, Bronzed uh, Brews, who spent a lot of time. How long have you been working on this project, Peter? Uh, four years. Four years. Okay. Uh, and, and, you've, and you've traveled all over uh, to, to gain information. And what can people expect out of the book, um, you know, recipes, uh, complete historical documentation of these beers. What was your real goal there? Um, well, there's 42 recipes in there, um, uh, some of which are comparisons with um, uh, the English beers of the day to sort of compare and contrast. Uh, the aim was to actually get as close as um, as possible. Uh, to what those beers may have tasted like. Uh, so I spent a, a, a lot of time uh, getting into the detail of, of what sort of uh, hopping regimes were used, what sort of malts, uh, the types of sugar. Uh, for example, there's um, uh, oft-quoted um, commentary uh, about the widespread use of invert sugar. Well, Yes, in some instances, but no, in a lot of other instances. So uh, the recipes have have things that people can uh, experiment with. They could do a, a recipe uh, based on raw sugar or um, make their own invert uh, and see what the flavor profile comes out like. So I, I regard it as a... Uh, the the history portion of it is more about the context of the beer, but it's really about the beers. Beautiful. Were, when the uh, brewers started popping up all over Australia way back when, were they trying to recreate beers like from, from continental Europe, or were they kind of just making their own thing as they went along? I, I, I think that that's a that's a good point because um, unlike uh, the U.S., which uh, seems to have been very heavily influenced by uh, Germanic brewing processes, uh, that same history doesn't really uh, come out in Australia. There's, there are some German brewers, but they're not in the majority by any means. Most most of the brewers uh, came from the inverted commas old country. And they brought their recipes with them. And 
there are examples that I've that I've got of um, uh, a recipe that was developed in the UK, and I can actually see how it's been adapted uh, in Australia in the 1880s. Mm. So most of these guys, they already had their tradition of brewing, uh, infusion mashing, uh, you know, um, pale ales and, and other British-style beers. Hardly any uh, continental, at least in the 19th century. Uh, but, but I do see in the 20th century... Uh, the rising influence of uh, Danish brewers. There were a lot of Danish brewers that were engaged uh, to produce lagers, and uh, and they brought with them uh, slightly different techniques uh, in the way they, they went about that. So... First, I actually just want to read this ad I just found in the book. <laughs> there's oh, there's a good lots one. Of them. Yeah, there yeah. are good ones. In there, there are really cool ads that you found, Peter. Just and I like the old advertising styles. Um, this ad is is titled quite simply "Beer is Good" because everything in it is good. Uh, beer is as pure as nature, and hygienic brewing can make it. Uh, it contains all the nutriment of rich malt, the tang of hops, and clear, sparkling water. Uh, nothing but the very best of, of these are used in beer from the breweries of your own state. Serve beer in your home at any time. Enjoy it regularly and benefit from its goodness. Drink beer regularly. It's good for you. <laughs> That's my new favorite yeah, live yeah. read. I'm a believer. Yeah. <laughs> Sincerely, beer. No, you're, every word of it is accurate, and it can be found on page 286 of, uh, <laughs> of Peter's new book. It's right uh, in there. Peter, where can people find the book? I, w- I, don't, I want to make sure we get that out there as many times. Uh, I, I think the easiest place is to uh, put type bronzed brews into Facebook. Uh, where I've got a page there, and the sticky on the top of that page is the link off to Lulu. Now, Lulu is a self-publishing company, um, which is uh, the method that I chose to use uh, to publish the book. So I'm the publisher. Okay. uh, And uh, Lulu is a print-on-demand. So in the U.S. at least... uh, so I set the Australian price at 27 Australian dollars. Uh, and then given our abysmal exchange rate, that's right. probably about 20 something US dollars. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but what I, I highly recommend Lulu virtually every other day do 10% off free shipping, 20% off da, 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 uh, with coupon codes. So it's worth just waiting for one of their um, uh, coupon codes to come up before you order. It makes no difference to me. I still get the mere pittance that I get for, for a book. <laughs> right. but, but in terms of buying it, uh, you, you can get a better deal. Oh, but at least you spent four years of your life. Yeah, yeah right. and, that's, and that's, at the end of the that's day, that's saying something. Yeah. 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 That's a pittance kind of deal. I wanted to talk more about ingredients um, and where that you you did mention that you you know you you were scoping out where they came from and, and what they were, and I'm curious about what you found and 
and then more so how we can kind of replicate those ingredients. JP was telling me that a lot of things were even coming from California back in the day. Yeah, which I found strange. Yeah, I, I, the, if there's one thing that's come out of um, all of this research is that there is absolutely nothing that hasn't been done before. Okay. <laughs> right. What? So, so all these all these people saying that you know West Coast hoppy beers. Um, there's a description in the book that from the early 1900s, and you read that and you go, "That's a torpedo." Okay. So hopping really? torpedoes, not new. Wow. May have, really? been, huh? may have been may have been rediscovered by um, others, but. Um, even yeah. the actual equipment, that's funny. There's just these heaps. Of, so there's the, the global market, they ship malt in the early uh, 1800s from the UK to Australia in tanks, containerized. Interesting to know what, what the quality of that was when it got here. Right. <laughs> yeah. At, but there you have containerized transport. Uh, they bought Californians uh, hops from California, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so international trade in in the 19th century was was very dynamic. I even read in here uh, in my notes here that uh, yes, they were buying hops from California from the U.S., but found that maybe they liked the oils in the hops, but not how, not the bitterness, not the flavor. So they would age them to, to get rid of the flavor. Hmm. That sound accurate? I'm making sure. Yeah. The, the, one of the, one of the problems that I bumped into was, it was so much uh, British as in UK um, documentation that was purported to be Australian and I tried very hard <laughs> to find uh, the Australian take on things because the the Brits continually complained about the cattiness of um, of American hops. And <laughs> Same thing so I they complained were, about. They were growing Simcoe back then. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, whereas I, I think in Australia, the the, the blending of hops um, in the mix. Uh, Golden Cluster was used uh, extensively, along with derivatives of um, uh, white bind goldings, and and through the 20th century, uh, that combination of hopping really does pro- provide a signature to nearly all the beers. Now, whether they be brown ales, lagers, um, or pale ales, they've got that that sort of um, profile that comes from uh, 25% golden cluster, 75% golding, if you like. Okay. And and that's quite easy to replicate today. It's not exactly the same hop, um, but by detuning the amount of hops that you put in so that you don't end up with something that's just way off the scale, uh, you can get quite a decent beer out of it. Okay. And historically accurate. Uh, to, to that end, though, wouldn't... Uh when you say golden, by the way, when you say golden cluster, I assume you're talking about what we know as the regular California cluster. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, uh, 
yeah, it, cluster is is the one. They, they they called it golden cluster. I think they must have got the um, the roots from from the US at some stage, and it was grown both in Victoria and Tasmania. Oh, I see. So you weren't necessarily talking about imported cluster. You're talking about uh, domestically grown, based on yeah. They 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 uh, they had um, uh, problems. Um, with uh, with certain hop types, uh, not so much from from pests, just um, uh, I think from yield. Mm-hmm. And uh, they introduced um, cluster uh, in the early twentieth century, mm-hmm. um, and then you get government regulation. Um, today we like to think we've got a free market economy. <coughs> However, <laughs> in the um, in the uh, in the 20th century, uh, it was very much a command and control arrangement where uh, Stalinist-type approaches to protectionism uh, and uh, allowing local industries to grow. Uh, and the um, Tasmanian uh, hop farmers in particular were a very strong lobby group and, and they managed to get levels of protection increased on imported hops so that in the 20s and 30s, uh, it was uh, like a, um, a voluntary code by the brewers that they would only import uh, sort of 10, 15% of hops and the rest of it would be local grown. Mm. So you do end up with, with some other factors that um, influence the choice of hop and then that obviously gave a, a profile to all these beers because of the hop use. So, so in making an historically accurate beer, uh, I would typically like to say I got some uh, some cluster hops, and uh, would I age? Would I really just go ahead and age those, or really were they were the hops kept under the same sort of conditions that we get them now? I mean, there wasn't as much refrigeration, I assume, as we have now. So, uh, their hops are probably okay. already pretty aged before they even went to use them, right? Um. It, I, everything's got to be date stamped with with an era. So yeah. in the yeah. It, yeah. It, in, in the 19th century, uh-huh. uh, they understood uh, that they needed to pack hops in pockets or bales uh-huh. very tightly to reduce the effects of oxidation. Okay. Yeah. Um, by the time we get to the earlier 20th century, we're starting to see the use of cold store. So these are all whole hops, but they're cold stored. And there are numerous papers on the Institute of uh, Brewing and Distilling site about how the preservative value is maintained by uh, keeping it uh, in a cold store. The the biggest thing isn't so much the age. Uh, What I have noticed, uh, there's no IBU references. There's some references to preservative value mostly what they seemed to be doing was blending hops from current season uh, into the previous season so that you you probably weren't trying to skew the, the profile of the beer too much. So uh, the blending mix of hop was probably more important to them uh, than, than the... Um, uh, any other consideration to keep huh. the flavor profile the same. That's right. that's my take on it. And they would blend, like, obviously, to taste. Now, what about, like, the sensory part of the, of those that era? Were they into tune to, like, off flavors and cleanliness and clean beer and that kind of thing? 
the um, the analysis uh, analysis of uh, within the two Spurry records, there's a there's a, a lot of analysis in there, uh, mostly about efficiencies uh, of the mashing process. Uh, there's hardly there are some mentions of color, although it's not entirely clear what scale was being used for color measurement. Mm. The biggest hole in the whole thing is unless you get some uh, journalist uh, uh-huh. in a paper describing the aroma uh, mm. and profile of the beer. Yeah. Uh, that's that's probably lost to us. Because yeah. rarely any real tasting notes. No, we should time travel some bloggers back there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, and, leave, and leave them there. Send Jay Brooks back oh, there. Yeah. And leave them there. Yeah. Well, maybe not with Jay, but if it were other no, than Jay, Jay, we'd end up with a bunch of inaccurate tasting notes. <laughs> <laughs> Jay would do us a solid, though. That'd yeah, be good. That'd be good. Send him <laughs> Peter, I have a question from the chat room. Yeah, uh, go on. Oh, okay. Um, uh, guest... 501 asks, are there any Australian beer styles that are significantly different from other beer styles? No. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> are there any? I mean, oh. I like that question. I really do, because you could ask it about almost any country, right? And, yeah. I, and I think the answer would almost always be no. Uh, uh, that's true. I mean, even the West Coast IPA, it's, I mean, it's, well, it's, right. it's pretty different. Maybe like the Session IPA would maybe be our... Maybe the West Coast no. thing, right? Even that there's, now. No. I, We're looking I, at I go Australia. back to the, that. There's nothing new, right? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so if you if you look back, um, you've got a colony uh, that didn't have any industry. Gradually uh, started generating a brewing industry and a few other things like farming and stuff. Um, stuff doesn't then, matter. Lots of, yeah. lots of farming stuff. and stuff, <laughs> food and bullshit, yeah. <laughs> kangaroo burgers <laughs> and sheep. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And so the it, uh, the whole thing is a history of import substitution. Hmm. So hmm. you've got brewers that have come from the UK who are brewing what the local punters want to get from an imported <laughs> beer, but locally. And gradually you see the, the local industry uh, maturing. Um, and then uh, they sort of, in the 20th century, started spreading out a bit more. So they, they weren't quite so reliant on the, on the UK style of beers. Uh, you see more lagers, but I'm, I'm, still, I'm still puzzled about lager because from – and I've, I've – Possibly this will be in the next book. The, they years. seem to have changed from ale. The pale ale seems to have changed from pale ale in bottle to lager in bottle as being the premium product. And they didn't, through the early part of the 20th century, at least in New South Wales, sell very much lager, despite what everybody thinks, that um, mm. uh, the place was awash with lager. It wasn't really until after the Second World War when they were able to invest in new plant that they bought lager plant. But I don't think they really changed the beer that much. I think they just used uh, lager yeast perhaps to clean it up a little bit. But I don't think the flavour profile would have been that different from the beers that um, had gone prior to the lager. Interesting. It's, It's it's. it's um, we'll never really know, but uh, I I have hopes that um, I can unearth some more information about um, 
uh, you know, that crucial bit about the flavor side of things, how things were done. You're going to have to excavate some old piece of clay or something. Didn't Dogfish Head do this once, like where they're like, oh, Minus we touch. found all the right yeast oh, and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the uh, thing. All yeah. the ingredients. Peter, you lazy, you didn't go excavating anything so we could <laughs> find some old, like an old keg of lager buried somewhere. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in Sydney Harbour, um, they in the 1880s, they dumped over 6,000 bottles of Bass Pale Ale. Wow. Just throw them anywhere. In hey, protest? Is it, it like that? It has been... So they're, so they're probably sitting in the sediment down the bottom. It, it just needs somebody that's um, you know, right. fit, able, and scuba, and go, and go and get one. Oh, JP and I can do this. I'm Let's sure. Do it right now. It. I'll uh, just hold my... I'll free dive. I don't care. Wow. <laughs> I give a shit, dude. Free dive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When did Foster's become Australian for beer? Did, did, you, did you find that in your notes? Yeah, what day is that? Uh, that's about 1970-something. 70 70-something. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. <laughs> you, I, I mean, marketing's marketing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It happened then. Um, that's but true. But uh, I haven't yet been able to get access to um, uh, the equivalent Melbourne archives to confirm what I've already gleaned from the Sydney archives. Uh, those archives exist, but they're held within uh, within the brewery. Uh, which makes it a bit tricky to uh, get access to it. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I have a feeling if if the New South Wales data that I've got, which suggests that lager really wasn't such a big seller as everybody was making out, classic hype marketing. Yeah. If that if that was the same situation in Melbourne, uh, then a lot of the myths around lager in the early part of the 20th century are exactly that. Interesting. Hmm. What, Marketing. Do you, do you guys still brew? Are there still... Uh, well, let me back up. So through the book, there was there's a lot of mention of dark beers, uh, special porters, and, you know, stout this and triple X, you know, whatever that. Mm. Are, are those beers still brewed over there? Or are you guys pretty much a pale beer kind of country now? Um, you, uh so in terms of the the triple X, the triple X, the uh, the only one that's left is Tui's Old, uh, which is uh, probably in modern parlance a four and a half percent dark mild with chocolate overtones. Sounds great. Uh, it's. Its origins go all the way back uh, into the uh, 19th century. Uh, the uh, I really like the stouts that are in the book. Um, uh, I, I think they've they've all tended to come up really well on rebrewing. Uh, there are still uh, some good examples of stats, even from the big guys, so that you can get uh, Southwark stout from South Australia. Uh, that's quite a strong stout, almost uh, FES sort of strength. Uh, the Sheaf stout uh, from Carlton United. Um, uh, there's um, uh, Ab- uh, Abbotsford stout. So there's still the big guys are still making um, uh, beers that uh, would be, I guess, quite recognisable 100 years ago. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break. I've got more questions for Peter. We're going to come back. I want to talk a little more about yeast and uh, a little more about ingredients. Um, yeah, a lot of notes here about yeast, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so hang in there with us, Peter. We're going to be right back with you. And uh, folks at home, this is a, a great recipe book. And as you're thinking about recipes, you should also be thinking about Beersmith Home Brewing Software, our good friend over there, Brad, who takes care of the Beersmith Home Brewing Software for us. You can go to beersmith.com right now and get your free 21-day trial. So I know I say this all time, but you don't have to take my word for it. You can just download it for free. works on Mac or PC. He's got podcasts over there. He's got videos about how to use the software, which is super helpful. No other software is that helpful in, in getting you to learn all the ins and outs of it. And it can do things that you don't even know. It could probably brew a dinner ale itself. I think it could. <laughs> I bet you put it in your computer, it spits out a dinner ale out of the DVD-ROM or something. Yeah, a, a Timmy's good it is. quadruple X dinner ale, Yeah, old ale, mild Pale lager. Yeah, there's a button in there for that. Right. I yes. mean, there's a button for everything, so don't take, like, don't hold Brad to this, but I'm just assuming that since there's a button for everything, it probably has that one too. Right. And if it doesn't, it'll come through in the update. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He is constantly updating it. It's great software. You know we love it. You'll love it too. Go to beersmith.com and check it out. All right. We're going to take a quick break when we come back a little more with Peter Simons about his book, Bronzed Brews. Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. With over 20 years of experience making world-class craft beer and more than 100 gold medals in international competitions, Moylan's Brewing Company is not just a pretty face in craft beer. Just ask Brendan Moylan. What do we got here? The beer of the hour. Moylan's, gotta love that big M. It's like a sign of awesomeness. It's got an extra kick to it. Let's pour this bad boy. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Moylan's. The end of the night when the kids are finally in bed, the wife's in bed, <laughs> nobody's bothering your ass anymore. That's Moylan's time. Moylan's is for you. Yeah. It's to help you out. Yeah. It helps me out. What? Well, because it's freaking awesome. Northern California brewed. It's brewed with love. With love? Oh, yeah. Tremendous. And it's always best where? Moylan's. you got to try it on tap at Moylan's in Novato. They're freaking awesome. Not only because I own the brewery, because I love the beer. Cheers! Boom! Kilt Lifter Scotch Ale takes big beers to a whole new level with rich malt balanced perfectly with delicate hops and now comes in four-pack tall boy cans so you can take the party on the go. Or come to the brewery, take a tour, and try any of Moylan's fresh creations right from the source. Check them out at Moylan's.com. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a brew. 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for 
Denny Brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from thebrewingnetwork.com. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Army, have you heard the latest at Hop Tech? Since Hop Tech has doubled in size after a huge expansion, Jade and Roberto can stock even more of the best quality homebrewing supplies and equipment. Over 60 kick-ass varieties of hops and malts, monster truckloads of quality brewer's yeast, including White Labs, Y-Yeast, and multiple dry yeasts. They even have all grain systems from Grainfathers and Ruby Street Brew Systems, thanks to Jade, the brand new all grain brewer. And don't forget about their 10% discount to all BN Army members. Jade and Roberto are waiting for you and all of your brewing questions over at hoptech.com. Hoptech, totally not sucking since 1983. Tampa Bay has become a great destination for craft beer lovers with more than 60 breweries and counting, like Cigar City, Tampa Bay, and Coppertail Brewing. One of the newest breweries is Four Stacks Brewing Company in Apollo Beach. Four Stacks believes that the West Coast can't have all the fun. So while we feature West Coast beer like Stone, Ballast Point, and Green Flash on tap, we also brew hopped-up ales to our liking in the West Coast style, even as they're truly Florida. Come in and see for yourself. Four Stacks hosts monthly homebrew club meetings, bottle shares, and partners with local restaurants for free food delivery while you enjoy your pint in their new tap room. Stop by Four Stacks Brewing and support the greater Tampa Bay craft beer scene at a brand new community-oriented independent brewery. Four Stacks Brewing, bringing the best of the West Coast style and attitude. Four Stacks Brewing Company in Apollo Beach, Florida. If you haven't heard, there's a completely new brand of brewing equipment. Kettles, burners, and accessories. Trustworthy, everyday gear that helps you forge and shape outstanding beer the way you want. It's called Anvil Brewing Equipment. Hi, I'm John Palmer. You may remember me from such self-help books as How to Brew, Brewing Classic Styles, Water, and the Brew Strong Podcast. I am very pleased to announce the debut of Anvil Brewing Equipment from Blickman Engineering. I have been working closely with them these past few years to develop products that combine the best of materials, 
features, and price point. Each of these products has been developed, tested, and reviewed to meet these ideals and bears the Palmer Brewing Solutions stamp of approval on the packaging. Anvil Brewing Equipment, inspired by Palmer, built by Blickman, and made for you. Check out anvilbrewing.com. Anvil. Durable. Reliable. Dependable. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for sticking with us while we're talking to our friend uh, Peter Simons, author of Bronze Brews. Um, Good history of Australian beers and a lot of homebrew recipes that you can brew uh, yourself. You still with us, Peter? Oh, no. Yeah, sure. There he is. Sure, yeah. I'm here. He was was gulping. Well, it's too early in the day for him to have passed out over there, right? (laughs) Right, Peter? Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm only on my second beer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see? Because sure. you're not retired. Yeah, if you see? were retired, you'd be on your sixth beer. Physical uh, or uh, We're Nathan. asking the questions, so we drink a lot. <laughs> you're answering it. I got another question in the chat room for Peter, if, uh, yeah, if I may. Yeah, let's do that. All right. A couple people actually wanted to know what trends in brewing are you seeing in Australia right now, uh, here, especially on the West Coast. We have a lot of sours and we have a lot of IPAs. Anything in Australia that differs from those two? Oh, no, it's um, it's just like it was 150 years ago. People are just copying. Um, some people uh, are better at copying than others and <laughs> do really nice double IPAs, triple IPAs and sours, and some people haven't quite got there yet. Um, He's talking about me. <laughs> you haven't figured out what carpet to copy por- carpet, carpet porter sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. For example. 100 oh. years. As an example. <laughs> so there, some dummy is copying just, carpet, carpet porter down there? Yeah, that was new. Um, at one point. Uh, it's going to get the right shot back. Yeah. I, I, I think harking back to the beginning of the program, uh, I don't like these horribly murky apologies for a beer that... Um, Careful. Uh, really? We haven't heard of those. Careful. You don't want to you offend even, anybody. Haven't you heard of those? So, well, I, I, th- I think unless the brewer intentionally meant to do it, mm. it's very poor brewing practice to end up with something that you can't see through. So, um, I, unfortunately, I have seen a few of those, and uh, I'm not very impressed. <laughs> so, copying, copying both the good and the bad uh, seems to be the go. Uh, <laughs> All right. Peter, yeah. did you find notes about uh, filtration or fining or any of the clarification methods in the old uh, recipes, in the old books? Um, they. So, uh, again, let, let's go 20th century. Okay. Uh, yeah. In the early 20th century, uh, they moved from bottle-conditioned beers, of which Cooper Sparkling is a legacy-type example, uh, to um, running beers that were bright, so they, they filtered. Uh, I've seen numerous adverts for uh, asbestos filters. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so filtered and pasteurized um, to give um, sediment-free beer was, was very popular from, say, after World War One onwards, uh, and probably still is today. So uh, the 
the technology that we're familiar with um, uh, was was available to the the larger brewers of the day for sure. Where did did pasteurization come into play during this period, or was that much later? Uh... In the 20th uh, no, uh, uh, the only thing I think that slowed them up was um, the uh, resources needed for World War One meant that there were no real capital investment um, oh. in that period. So you see, in the, I've seen the uh, purchase ledgers uh, where they were buying um, Enzinger filters, uh, pasteurizers, mm-hmm. um, because they're. The, uh, related to that was the six o'clock closing legislation, which meant that um, you know pubs weren't open in the evenings, and the uh, the bottled trade increased tremendously. So they ah. uh, mm. they they went for bright beer in bottle and they pasteurised it so that it would last. Yeah. So early 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 nineteen twenties onwards, yep, pasteurised. Interesting. Got another quick question from the chat. Um, Guest202, apparently no one likes using their real name, uh, asks, how did the things like malt and hops back then compare to today's example measuring alpha acid or protein in malt? Okay, uh, two different questions there. Uh, Let's do hops first. Okay. Um, The the earliest I've seen... uh, Alphas actually being recorded in analysis is around the late 1930s. Uh, and the alphas that they were um, putting forward for, say, Fuggles and Goldings are not dissimilar to what we would see today. Hmm. Uh, we need to bear in mind that um, uh, hops were invariably uh, supplied with seeds so you see uh, large quantities of hops being used, but the seeds have no no bittering value, and in, and in some respects could be regarded as a uh, as something that might provide astringent flavours. Huh. So in in my calculations, whilst I don't actually have any alpha uh, measurements from say the 1800s or 1900s. Working back from the 1930s, you can say, well, yeah, hops were about the same alpha as today. And then it becomes a question of scaling back the tremendous quantities of hops used into something that's, that's, a, that's reasonable. So that, that's how I approach the, the hop side of things. Okay. Uh, the malt... Um, <clears throat> Malt, uh, nearly all the brewers in New South Wales um, had their own maltings. Um, and from the malting records that I've seen, uh, really three three grades of malt. So you've got uh, lager malt, you've got pale ale malt, and you've got high dried malt. So um, pale ale malt, you know, for the sake of argument, Maris Otter sort of range, lager malt, something that's not really too pilsnery, something a bit more bland. And um, the hydride, uh, and I go into this in the book in a fair bit of detail about whether the hydride you you could pick uh, today's equivalents as perhaps Vienna or Mildale malt 
or, or uh, Munich malt or a combination of those to give you that, that quite malty profile that was, um, uh, that was evident in the grist. And uh, color too, I they, see. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the, the final killing temperatures were actually recorded in some of the, the, the oh. data that I've seen, and I've extrapolated those into what sort of colour that might be today. And whilst not a um, wholly scientific approach, that that that, that type of colour would have meant these types of flavours. Sure. Because of the roast character, are they degree of uh, caramelization in those malts yes and um uh one of the things that that came out quite clearly that was the the relatively small use of crystal malt uh, yeah, they used um <laughs> black malt a fair bit <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but not not a lot of crystal because they didn't have it or because they didn't think they'd want it in their beer well, my um, my take on it is, um, I've I've had people taste a beer that I've made with something like thirty percent of raw cane sugar, mm-hmm. and the and the molasses that's still in that cane sugar gives you certain notes of caramel, and oh. they think the beer has has um, crystal malting, but in fact it's just it's just sugar. Another it, sugar it, it has it has a very similar flavor at that lighter lighter caramel uh, um, crystal malt end. And then maybe the type of sugar is like some sugars like may have sort of like a caramelized character, you know, car- caramel itself that could add that flavor t- uh, to the beer. Yes, um, the uh, so you could have raw sugar that's got hardly any molasses in it to much more brown type sugar or um, muscovado uh, that would have more pronounced flavour. All, all of these things are quite um, uh, within the range of um, of the recipes. Uh, experimenting with with slightly different ingredients in the same proportions would be uh, would be an interesting exercise. Really? Peter, I want to ask you this: uh, what, Where's this name? What's, what's bronze have to do with brews? I mean, uh, talking about the color, the age, like, I, I, like bronze would be like a an historical era kind of thing. What's that all about? The, the title of the book. Uh, I, I struggled with the title. Um, uh, in the 1970s, uh, I got this. There were a bunch <laughs> of professional. Are we all right now? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're, we're, we're with you. <laughs> there, were a, there were a bunch of professional surfers called bronzed Aussies. Shane Horan and a whole bunch of other, other guys um, were part of that troupe. And I, I quite – I like bronzed Aussies as a title, but obviously it had been done. So I, I did a Google, uh, and bronzed bruised was, I felt, a nice amalgam between – uh, brews, which is what the book's about, and the bronzed, as in bronzed Aussie, sunburnt country, huh. land of sweeping plains, you know, the whole, uh, okay. whole Australian, Australasian thing. So you yeah. would get that before I would, or you're, uh, if I was Australian, I'd get that, or... No, still, I was still a stretch. I was a bronzed Aussie while I was there. Oh, I got, oh. well, honorary. I was a burnt Aussie while I was. There. I got burnt on my first day, fried. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, because I went and tried surfing again like an idiot and got <laughs> burned. So I'm with I, you, Peter. I, I get it. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not sure many people would would actually um, uh, relate to that. The the bronze beers. Yeah, well, some of the beers are bronze, but some are pale and some are dark. So. Uh, I, I just like the alliteration on bronze brews. <laughs> I like it because to me yeah, it seems I, like you know you, and you you bronze something you want to keep around, you yeah. know, like bronze your oh. your baby booties or whatever. Yeah. And so that's that's what I took from it oh. was that hey these are these are important in the evolution of Australian beer, Australian craft beer, as Peter's saying the there's, bronze there's, age. Yeah, there's nothing new. Right. So let's bronze it. Let's keep these things around. We're keeping yeah. a, a, a portion of our past. In Peter's uh, yeah. collected a history and put it in print. So it's, for here, sure. it's here forever. Good for him. All right. Before I let you go, Peter, I did want to ask a little bit about yeast. I feel like we've covered uh, most of the ingredients there, um, except that one. Uh, except you did talk about kind of the difference between ale and lager yeast and, and maybe it not being that that different back then. Um, but w- what were differences? How did brewers get yeast and what form was it in? What countries did it come from? What did you find out about that? Um, I found out quite a lot about yeast uh, in terms of strain types because there was a yeast file kept by Toos. Uh, and they bought the, the bulk of their yeast from uh, the York. Jorgensen Laboratories in Copenhagen. Okay. Uh, Yeast lab. Yeah. Now, simply because they were buying yeast from Copenhagen doesn't actually mean that it was all Danish yeast because they, they, and and they still are, uh, a very big yeast bank uh, uh, holding uh, many different strains of yeast. Mm. So um, in terms of... uh, uh, having uh, cultures provided of Brettomyces, uh, in, in various lager strains, various ale strains. Um, uh, that was quite interesting. The, the standout, though, was um, um, one of the people uh, that I followed through their careers uh, was Grove Johnson, and he isolated um, uh, yeast, which he called Melbourne number one ale yeast. And he was a fairly feisty character and um, uh, moved around the world. And, and he went back to the UK in 1936, and he actually banked that yeast in the UK uh, yeast bank. And um, as it happened, I... I I can't quite remember what triggered it. I think it was that uh, I went to the Truman's Brewery Tour and they talked about the yeast bank uh, and how they'd um, uh, found the strain that was used uh, in the Truman Brewery for their recreations. <laughs> and I did a, I did a search uh, and I found Grove Johnson and I found Melbourne number one ale yeast. Wow. And um, Chris White... God love him. Yeah. Got it from um, uh, got it from the yeast bank, and um, White Labs now have it as WLP 059 Melbourne Ale Yeast. Nice. Oh, wow. cool. <laughs> so that's 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 really good, but <laughs> it's oh, in the it's in the yeast vault. That's right. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeast ah. vault. Yeah. Well, that's okay. So, yeah. Enough Australian yeah. listeners go sign up on the yeast yeah. vault right now over on White nah, Labs. No, no, no. Doesn't no. work. Um, no. mm. Not that useful. You've got to be 
US to be in the yeast vault, uh, and and the Australian and the Australian end of the world need two hundred and twenty seven more people, i.e., people resident in the US, to um, uh, vote for the Melbourne Ale yeast so that it can be released. So. Uh. I've had lots of interest from people here about wanting to try the yeast, um, and I've I've spoken to both Carla and uh, and Chris, uh, and given their manufacturing um, plant issues, uh, it doesn't seem that uh, they can do uh, anything special for for Australia. So it's a pity because um, uh, I was given a very small vial of that yeast, and I'm drinking. Um, brown ale that's actually been fermented with WLP 059, which is, uh, provides a really nice malt, malty, bready flavour. So if Chris is out there somewhere, it would be nice if you could release it <laughs> to the um, Australasian uh, uh, people that would love to use it. Can a, can a, like a larger brewery just order a, a giant pitch no. of it and then you guys can all take some of that? Even then, that's not how the yeast vault works. You gotta, it's gotta be. If they if they meet their numbers on the yeast vault, like the minimum, yeah. then I think they can discuss doing like large pitchers or whatever. But it's all the yeast vault is really for home brewers, and no, it's well, got some. But he won't. But even to do oh, even in their banks, because to yeah, they won't pop it up for a commercial brewery either. Correct. Uh, there's yeah. just so many strains and things like. I mean, th- there are there are some ways they do that. I don't want to speak for for them entirely, but I worked a lot on the yeast vault project with them and mm-hmm. started to understand how the manufacturing works a little bit. And it's really a difficult thing for them to do actually to propagate up to a, a usable pitch and and make any money so it has to be something that's going to be popular enough they can't just do a single brewer's pitch like it just doesn't work like that there has to be several professional brewers who need a brewer's pitch or the way that they develop the yeast vault program now home brewers can dive in and go okay because if enough of them do it it's now at a a giant volume of yeast and the economy of scale it it, it makes sense yeah so what so, Peter did so, mention so is what, that two hundred something U.S. listeners could. What we need from the BN is get in on this. We need the BN Army to to vote for the Melbourne Ale yeast because once you get to the magic number, there you go. Uh, then, or even close to that magic number, I would hope that that we would then be able to buy. I, I would guess there's probably fifty or sixty um, uh, vials that. Um, based on on the number of books that have been sold and the feedback that I've had, uh, that are potential sales in in Australia at least. So there you go. It's possible. Uh, it's doable. So here's what you can do, U.S. listeners. You can go over to yeastvault.com, or if you got whitelabs.com saved in your in your deal, you can go check it out that way. And then go find the uh, was it the Melbourne? Is that what you said? Yep. yep. WLP 059. There you go. And you can help some brothers out, and you can also brew yourself with a historical yeast, which is kind of fun. I know there's a bunch of you who just like experimenting with yeast. So, And, the, and these uh, these recipes are pretty cool, man. In, in the book, bronzed brews, they're already scaled for five gallons, mm-hmm. all grain. Uh, try something new. And, and, Peter, you were mentioning in the book that there's at least two categories that you can enter these beers in, and they will be stylistically accurate, right? Like the... Common with Commonwealth or whatever the hell it's called. I don't know what you guys call it. Yeah, yeah. There's um, uh, now the the 2015 BJCP style guidelines have double stout, 
there are several beers in there that fall in the double stout category. Um, the uh, and of course uh, the one thing that's not in the book is any recipe for Australian sparkling, which now fits in, as you say, in the Commonwealth mm. something or other, <laughs> whoever they are. We're turning you an American yet. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Once again, folks, uh, you can go over to Facebook and search Bronzed Brews. You're going to end up at Peter's page there, and it will give you a quick link over to where you can purchase the book. Uh, I highly recommend you check it out. A lot of research went into this, especially for our Australian listeners who I know uh, are interested in, in this kind of history. So uh, go check it out. Peter, thank you so much for being on the program. And you gave us some no, nice shout-outs in the book, too, and I appreciate that. No worries. It's, um, it's, it's been a, uh, a very interesting uh, four years. I've got all these loose ends that I'm starting to think that there might be another book there somewhere. Oh, there you go. So, so it was hard work, but you did enjoy it, you, you, or at least you enjoy the product. I enjoyed the products, and, uh, <laughs> I, and it, is, it is somewhat gratifying that – the people that don't know you are buying a book on, yeah. on spec off the internet. It's 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 just a nice feeling. It's it's a bit weird, really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool, man. I like that too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, take care of yourself. Good luck with the book. Keep us up to date. And uh, once again, folks, go to Facebook and just search Bronzed Brews. You'll end up with on Peter's page there, and it's a quick link to go check it out. Um, thanks, Peter. I hope we see you soon. Are you going to go to the the Homebrewers Conference out here this year? Uh, no, I'm I'm saving my pennies for next year. Okay. All right. Well, then All right, baby. we'll see you on some other travels. Take care, Peter. Be good. Cheers. All right, mate. See you. Bye. Bye. Be good. Who's he talking to? Right. There's a bird in the background. He's hoping. <laughs> he got the noise. With yeah. the, uh, you guys couldn't see it or hear it on the podcast, but JP and I lost our shit. <laughs> not, not because Peter P was doing fine, but just uh, it, like all of a sudden, it's just, I've been all yeah. this weird noise. And then finally, it's like, yeah, it was like bed springs or like a, Who's bird, on top? Right. Or yeah, like right, a yeah. bird dying in the background. Yeah. Oh, I just got to pound this out. Yeah, and everything had been going relatively smooth, and it's fine. And then I don't know. Just sometimes like, we just like you laugh, and then I laugh, and it kind of scales up, and then we can't look at each other for a couple minutes. We had two men down for a while. Yeah, yeah. Tasty it, took over. He did a good yeah. job. Yeah. Tasty. Tasty's like, I got this. Oh, I could not stop. I was crying. But, but what happened? Because the bird just stopped. All this. It's not like it faded off. Like it went no. away. And whatever happened needed squeak, to happen. Squeak, squeak. No, Peter got it. <laughs> with a slingshot yeah, with his fucking boomerang <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> with a boomerang it was just a no it was the weirdest noise and it was just like really yeah. another thing and yeah. and i just lost it man <laughs> i haven't uh, laughed that hard in a while yeah I do really recommend the book. I did help. Like I said, I, I honestly read through yeah, two thirds of it. Must be a good read if you went yeah. that far. It's really, really <laughs> cool, man. I like that kind of shit. They, t you know, cool. they talks a lot about uh, what we've, you know, said before, and it's nothing new. The uh, Brett in beers. Oh yeah, these beers had Brettanomyces yeah. in it, and and what right. strains will work. And he kind of he really did all yeah. of this all of this work to uh, you know to figure out how to do this. I like that he talked about the equipment used, too, like that he basically found a hop torpedo. Uh, there were some um, yeast devices are listed in the book and uh, yeah, other types of process equipment, too. So a little bit of everything in there. Yeah. And it's funny to to hear, you know, hey, not much has changed. Nothing's new. 
but yeah, except <laughs> like the even the, the the hop varieties. He was list, listing a bunch of old like late eighteen hundreds hop varieties, like early white grape, okay, Canterbury Golding, later or green grape, and something called red Golding. <laughs> you don't, I, I don't know, just that yeah. kind of. First of all, names for hops is kind of weird, but. Uh, where do these strains go? I guess yeah. the you know better ones come along and then same as now, right? Yeah. right? Like yes, they, right. They, they or they they just fall out of favor too. Right. I mean, they stop yeah. being the trendy hop. I mean, maybe they're just trendy hops back well, then. Well, they got into crossing hops. I mean, like, right? Oh yeah, true. You know, when I was in New Zealand, they 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 said they're sort of their hop growing program. I might have mentioned this on the show already. They used California cluster, which is mm-hmm. by then was a native like that's what they grew. Mm-hmm. That was the basis for all like the hops that they generate now. Yeah, Nelson and all that. Yeah, what's weird? I'll I'll totally admit this. Uh, I find it hard to really understand how technologically advanced the human race was in the late 1800s. Right. Because I'm going, how how would they have been able to tell the nitrogen levels in the beer in the in the malt? <laughs> how did they ship yeast? Then, yeah. It's it's unimaginable to me. I can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. It was the Stone Age. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just like. Everything pre cell phone, I can't, I can't wrap my hand around. Nothing yeah. happened pre cell phone. <laughs> All right, I, let, let me let you know about a couple things before we wrap up here. Um, a good friend of mine's putting on a really good event called Corks and Suds up in Novato, and it's for an organization called uh, Global, uh, Global Offerings. Now you can go to globalofferings.org or search Corks and Suds on Facebook. But it's a night of beer and wine and music for a really great cause. This organization does autism uh, education. Uh, essentially, they help. Um, educators to to work with autistic children and help them learn and it's a it's a resource that's actually not really readily available the woman who's putting it on flies around the world too not just here in the u.s but goes to other countries who have even less um, education about how to deal with autism in an educational environment you know i'm talking about teachers here I'm talking about schools so this is a really cool event it's in Novato. it's this friday the uh what's what's friday like the 13th i think um, Uh-oh. I'm, yeah, it's this Friday the 13th at 7 o'clock up in Novato. It's a really good cause. Tickets aren't that expensive. You can go to globalofferings.org. And, you know, they only need to sell a few more tickets, actually, to raise the money that they're looking to do to help this organization. So I just wanted to put it on your radar. If you want some beer, if you want some wine, and you want to help a great cause, this is a good way to do it. Corks and Suds. Uh, go check it out at globalofferings.org. All right. Follow up with my last live read is going to be a real juxtaposition. There. <laughs> um, what was our Twitter game today, JP? Our Twitter game was I asked everybody to think up of an astrological sign for the Brewing Network. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, and a corresponding horoscope. Okay. Which, in hindsight, would have been a much more eloquent way to phrase the question than I did in the first half, but that's okay. fine. Okay. It yeah. works. It's Thank fine. You. Thank you very much. So, what did we get back from our uh, wonderful listeners out in the Twitter <laughs> Twitterverse land? Yeah, uh, Pete Dedink writes: two male squirrels in a sixty-nine position. Mm-hmm. That'd be the symbol. Yeah. Uh, the horoscope always chase a larger nut. <laughs> That's more like um, a slogan yeah, than, like a, a, than a, <laughs> than a yeah. <laughs> But okay, got yeah. it. 
Jeff Grelnick says uh, the sign would be the jackass horoscope. Okay. You will invest incalculable hours and vast sums of money into the BN and AB InBev never buy. <laughs> so accurate horoscopes, too. Accurate horoscopes. <laughs> Uh, Ricky says Pisces with two clownfish 69ing. Apparently, it's very popular. Mm. Uh, the horoscope is you will travel the globe with great aspirations and accomplish nothing. <laughs> <laughs> These are my horoscopes. <laughs> I am right. a Pisces. Yeah. I, just, I just haven't traveled the globe yet. Right. Uh, Chris B. writes, uh, the sign is the unicorn. Horoscope, your luck improves as you become host of the session after meltdown of previous hosts. Repeat each Monday. <laughs> <laughs> you can stop there. Uh, That's the winner. Uh, there's, there's actually these two are pretty. Go good. ahead. Yeah. Right. Justin eighty one says sign asshat horoscope. Eat lots of tasty cookies and Cialis, then chase Bevo around the hop grenade. <laughs> Again, that's more like a slogan. That's just a Tuesday. What was the uh, star alignment? What was the uh, oh. ass hat? sign, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Dr. Chris Staub, DPT, whatever that means, says uh, a hop grenade. Uh, you will receive a cease and desist letter in your future. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. I liked it. I like that. It's accurate. Yeah, that's it. All yeah. right. I got to go with the JP one. Can you read it again? Yeah, uh, the, the sign unicorn. is the unicorn. Horoscope. Your luck improves as you become host of the session after meltdown of previous host. <laughs> Repeat yeah. each Monday. That's really good. I brought a yeah. laugh here. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Chris. Yeah. Uh, I like it. <clears throat> All right. Well done. Uh, Twitter winner. Twitter winner. Winner? Okay. They're twinner. Thanks for all winner. <laughs> yes, everyone, thanks for entering. All right, let me uh, let you know about uh, our friends over at Adam and Eve real quick. You can go to adamandeve.com right now. And for a limited time, you're going to get 50% off any item. Uh, when you select your one item, you're also going to get three free adult DVDs and an exclusive gift. And to top it all off, free shipping on the entire order. The exclusive gift... I don't like saying yeah. the name. I'm not going to oh. say the name. No, please do. You, I, I have been saying the name for yeah. weeks now. You have it. to say it. It's been I, uncomfortable. Didn't I say you don't have to say the name? Uh, no. Oh, I meant to. <laughs> you Oops. thought it. You said, <laughs> they told me, you said have fun. Uh, but yeah. I have to look at the audience at the, at the Grenade Renat 2, and okay. it's not the appropriate time. All Otherwise, right, I right. would. I'm not. Oh, okay. t- I will, don't worry. I won't avoid this forever. But draw us a picture? Yeah, just describe it. It's the thing that most of us don't know where it is anyway, and it's called that bumper. You know, so it's this. Something bumper. The, the thing you the can't thing, find. The thing, thing you, you can't find. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah. The it doesn't really exist. The Car thing keys? That you've, been, you've been told it's there. You, it, you, it's been pointed out to you. Yeah. You still, for years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You still don't know it's that. And that, so it's a really cool gift, which apparently. Um, it's all, it's a pleasure ring as well. So it does it's, something uh, to you as I may, well. It, it firms as well as. Right. M- Vibrates. Yeah. Okay. It's exactly. It's supposed to help me. It prolongs. Go a little longer. Yeah. Increase the strength of my happiness, um, <laughs> which, let's be honest, I need. You're yeah. putting uh, Asian right now? <laughs> this is a horoscope right I, now. Yeah. yeah. This is, I'm making a PG by, by <laughs> um, All right, great. 
And then it'll, you know, she'll love it too because it, it, it's the right places. Um, uh, and it won't break the bank. <laughs> soft and stretchy for a comfortable fit. Uh, waterproof, which seems important. Um, it seems like that's right. the first thing that they should do. Yeah, silicone is a very high temp plastic, also. All you have to do is Rubber. go over to adamneve.com and use coupon code BNARMY. That's B N A R M Y. BNARMY. You get all of those things the 50% off, the three free DVDs, the free exclusive gift, and the free shipping. So go over to bnarmy.com and check it out. Thanks to Adam. <laughs> and go to Costco for AAA and AA batteries. You could say the <laughs> yeah. gift is too sensual to say in the hot grenade. I'm guessing it Yes, it is. I'm guessing it has smaller batteries than that because I think the whole thing lives on yeah. your junk. Yeah. How's it, I, mean, so it I don't think they little... advise the living, making it live there. Oh, you don't wear it all the time? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you wear it all the time. <laughs> that probably would be a health hazard. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I would think so. Does <laughs> this create an awkward moment where you're like, you know, like putting that on? Like... What right. if it's powered like one of those watches? Like the more you move, more for, like, like, the more it's powered. Oh, right. Kinetic, kinetic, oh. Like the battery. Kinetic watch? <laughs> that would be the best. Yeah, it, it would be. be. I don't move much during the day, so I would have to, all of the movement would be happening then. And I, I feel like it would be a slow start. Are there like men kegels? Uh, no. Yes. Hmm. yes? Well, <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a workout it. book. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, some guys put waste on the end. Google jelking. <laughs> I saw that National Geographic um, tasty. Some people do put weights on the end. Mm, I know these things. Uh, <laughs> some people. I know these things. That's how you throw your back out all the time, I think. Oh. <laughs> now you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm like, Got you. I tell you it's stress, but it was really stress of doing that activity. <laughs> uh, I think I've covered all of our uh, you have. contractual obligations. Thanks again to Peter. And uh, great being back. But next week we're off. It's an off week. It is an off week. Next mm. week, right? Yep. And then uh, when we do come back, though, you're doing a show with Brewlosophy. I am, yeah. Right? Well, Marshall's coming back. He's not going to be in the studio. We're going to Skype. Okay. But uh, he's sending in some beer. We're going to do a couple of uh, ex-beerments. Oh, he loves, he loves that name. He loves that name. Actually, he hates that name, but he's oh, like, I, I can't get away from it now. <laughs> right. Why late. can't he be in studio? Isn't he close uh, Because he took a bunch of time off to do a bunch of stuff, and he took some time off work to come here I the see. other time. How far uh, is he? I, he's I in Fresh like, Yes, right? Yeah, Fres Yes. I oh, thought Modest, okay. Modest, no. I don't know. I just made that oh, up. Right. Uh, yeah, so uh, he can't make it up. But I guess he's going to NHC. So if you track him down, maybe you can be, uh, he'll give you a survey and have you ch- taste some beer. And oh, there you go. Come up with yeah. no conclusions. Come up with no conclusions, yeah. <laughs> is that his thing? I don't know. Most okay. of them, we, yeah, most of them, they're not that way. Yeah, yeah I guess most of them is like, uh, it doesn't matter. I see, yeah. yeah. Like, un- not perceivable. I mean, like crazy shit. Like, right. Mention 154, 148. Yeah. Nobody can tell the difference. Like, nobody can tell, right. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, who knows. All right, well, that shows in two weeks because we're off next week. Um, it's gonna be a good one. I like Marshall. He's good. Yeah. He's a great guy. And he was in Homebrew All Stars. He has a little section right? in that book. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. How was that show last week? It was good. It was I like those people. Drew and uh, whole crazy, cold crazy nuts. Whatever his name is. Were they together in a room when they did the thing, or no, they were separate? They were separate. So okay. <laughs> I thought it was gonna go a lot like it did tonight. Did, uh, did Drew talk, talk fast? Did he talk really fast, Drew? I did, no, he, he he was he was cool, but yeah, you know, I talked then. I talked to him first before the show, like do a test call, whatever. And he goes, "Yeah, good luck uh, with Denny. His internet sucks." I'm like, Fuck. I know every time. What'd you do? Everything was fine, actually. It, it came out yeah. all right. He gave right. a lot of one-word answers. Yep. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, right. You know, he's growing his holistic garden. Up right. There. Yes. <laughs> so 
We learned a lot about Denny. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I what I said. It's all shrooms. Good work, oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it would be like to trip balls with Denny Khan. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me, dude? You'd probably be great. Like staring at one of his tie-dye shirts for an hour. I bet he's cool. I bet once you start to go down the rabbit hole, he's like, no, 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 man. It's yeah. cool. Check it out. Check it out. Do this color. He's like, he got your back yeah. every time. Yeah, for Either sure. that or he's like, F you, punk. I don't need this shit. Yeah. Man. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing fine. You can go freak out on your own. <laughs> he's like the rope in Poltergeist. He is the key to the other dimension and back again. Yeah. He's your way back. If you don't want to do beer news, I got it. Nah, we got to yeah, go. Right, right. Oh. All right, thanks everybody, and um, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Here's JP to take you home. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, to all our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. Peter Simons joined us from his living room in Australia to talk about his new book, Bronzed Brews. Learn all about it over on facebook.com slash bronzed brews. Merge your love of Disneyland with your lack of engaging podcasts and go to earsuppodcast.com as JP, Terrence, Bebo, and Taryn talk about all things Disney. Go check out Moscow's Hop Cartoons over at hoplifestore.com. Get on Twitter for some good beer insight and homebrew info. Follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew, Mike McDowell at Tasty McDee, and JP at Major Jip. Oh yeah, Warren is adding to the noise over at Another Beardy. Today's show is produced by JP, I guess. I don't really know. Uh, Susie Q was your chat mod tonight since Bev was in Disneyland eating churros and throwing up. And your host was Justin Crossley. Be sure to find the Bird Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Justin's in my sky and winning the race. JP does great as his charity.